1: This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill.
2: Josh Henning back here in the 97.3 ESPN Studios. We'll be heading out to Mike Gill and Pete Thompson, live a location at the Gallery Bar and Sportsbook at... Ocean Casino Resort in Atlantic City. Every Monday, Mike Gill is over at the gallery inside Ocean Casino Resort here on 973 ESPN. We'll be connecting with them in just a moment after a busy sports weekend. Phillies lose two out of three to the Mets. Eagles' first preseason game. All that and more coming up today on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. As I mentioned, we will get to Mike Gill and Pete Thompson out at Ocean Casino Resort in just a moment. Don't forget, coming up today on the Sports Bash, Mike Begay for the Press of Atlantic City at 2.40. More Birds Talk with the one and only John McMullen at 3 p.m. Football at 4 with Jeff Mosher from Inside the Birds podcast at 4 p.m we'll also be talking nfl with jeff kerr from cbs sports at 5 30 p.m all coming up mike gill p thompson live on location we'll be checking with him touching with him in just a moment ocean casino resort the gallery the bar and sports book inside ocean casino and resort in atlantic city i'm josh hennick back here in the studio as I mentioned, a lot of Eagles talk, a lot of Phillies talk to get to throughout the show today. Although I, will love, I can't wait to hear what Mike and P have to say about the Phillies because they had that, that dramatic win on Friday night. And then they lose Saturday and Sunday and they leave what felt like a million runners on base. It felt like Saturday and Sunday was it a letdown? Did the guys just lose the juice? Are the Mets really that good? It's a, it's a hard thing to wrap your mind around why the Phillies lost that line. Look, you win Friday night. Yeah, you went to extra innings, but it was dramatic, it was intense. You beat Scherzer. So you're going into the weekend thinking, hey, we can win this series. We got Bassett on Sunday. DeGrom, you got him out of the game earlier than you expected. Nola pitched an amazing game on Saturday night. But you couldn't score. You couldn't get runners in. You were shut out for two straight days. So then you turn around. And now you got to figure out well was the offensive issues was it cuz Schwarber's not in the lineup was it because the Mets bullpen is that good like are are we today giving the Mets bullpen credit because like for example look at the Eagles preseason game nobody really cares that the Eagles lost the preseason game Nobody's sitting there being like, man, those Eagles, they should have won that game. No, you're not doing that at all. What you're doing is you're looking at the Eagles preseason game and you're saying, okay, well, Jalen Hurts went p- perfect on his throws. You're saying that, you know, N'Kobe Dean and Jordan Davis looked really good out there. What you're turning around and saying is, hey, there were some good things to take away from this game. And it looks like we're going to have a lot of guys who are going to be available for these inter-squad practices this week. The hope is, is that not just Devonta Smith, who returned to practice yesterday, but hopefully Boston Scott will be around this week. The sleeve that Miles Sanders is wearing, according to reports, is not that big a deal. So it, it looks like, it feels like, hey, there's some good things to take for the Eagles game. But they lost the game because... When you got to the third and fourth guys on the roster, that's why they lost. But what excuse do the Phillies have? I believe now we have Mike Gill and Pete Thompson down at Ocean Casino Resort at the gallery. Mike, can you hear me?
3: I hear you, Peter. Do you hear me? I hear you. We hear you each hear other. Me. We're all good. So what's the word there, PT?
4: Not much. Happy Monday to you, Mike Gill. What a weekend, right? My goodness. What a beautiful weekend weather-wise. What a beautiful weekend. Uh, and what a great Monday to be here at the gallery.
3: Yeah, let's uh, let's kind of reset the scene and start the show off in uh, grand fashion. It's the Sports Bass Live 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN Free Mobile App. We're live at the gallery. Bar Book and... Uh Here at Ocean, and uh, obviously it was probably a big weekend because you had uh, the Phillies Mets this weekend, the Eagles Jets this weekend. We were now. I went to the concert this weekend Friday night. (laughs) So remember, last week we were talking about first concert, last concert, next concert. Yes. So my first concert was Stone Temple Pilots. My last concert is now the Tidal Wave.
4: Right, and do you remember all the acts? Because I saw you put something up that said something like, no. "I don't know any of these lyrics."
3: <laughs> well, not only did or I not know songs. the lyrics, I don't know who I was watching. Right, like Luke Bryan, I've kind of heard of, but I don't know anything he sings. Yeah, but it was good. I mean, I thought it was well run. It was fun. I had a good time. I mean, I was just there, kind of hanging out. The people but, watching had to be out incredible. Yeah, it was cool. I saw a lot of uh, a lot of people. Um, you know, and then uh, yesterday. Was uh, I, I have seen the Eagles game probably three times now.
4: Oh, on replays, on different games? Yeah, it's been everywhere. So,
3: you know, I actually saw the first drive in like the first quarter mm-hmm. live, and then we went to the concert, and then I kind of picked it back up in that second quarter. I've probably seen the second and third quarter like three times, so I have a whole heck of a lot of thoughts on what I saw there. But early on in the game, you know, just watching Jalen Hurts in the in the 6-for-6. Six six. It, it was eerily, not eerily, similar, but it made me think about the game where Sam Bradford went 10-for-10, 10 10, oh, right. went right down the field and scored, and, and everybody then, was right. like, was Sam Bradford. It was against Green, Green Bay. Bay. My
4: dumbass drafted him in fantasy that year. That didn't work out so well for me because I drank the Kool-Aid. So, yeah, maybe the message is, Don't drink the Kool-Aid on 6-for-6 for for 80 yards and a perfect quarterback rating. Yes, he looked really, really good, but that is against
3: who? Well, I mean, it's a fair thing to say, like, hey, he looked pretty good 6-for-6. They went down and scored. Goddard with a 22-yard touchdown. Uh, I was happy to see Goddard was uh, the guy there because I've uh, been on record saying I think Goddard's going to have a big year. The one story was A.J. Brown didn't have a target. We all kept hearing, all the targets are going to A.J. Brown in practice. Well, he got no targets in the Mm -hmm. game and no catches in the game on Friday night. I mean, from what I saw from the offense, I mean, I felt pretty comfortable with, hey, Jalen Hurts. I mean, he had a throw.
0: The it was an incomplete quez, pass oh i
4: thought you were going to say the rollout throw to quez watkins that's a throw i don't know that he makes last year his his first attempt where he rolled out to the right and hit quez watkins for 24 26 something like that and and, and threw that on the run of course it was to the right not to the left but the fact that he hit him in stride and moving like that that was an accurate on time on the money throw and then to your point about aj brown Yes, he was not targeted per se, but if you look at that Dallas-Goddard touchdown, A.J. Brown had a lot to do with that. He basically drew the attention and caused the confusion that left Goddard so wide open to be able
3: to then pinball his way in. Yeah, he broke off a couple tackles and then just kind of found the end zone. I love Goddard this year, but I love him even more because of what Brown, you brought up a good point there, was that Brown generated the attention and Goddard found the hole. And Hurts delivered the ball. So I thought the starting offense looked good. And just to kind of give you even further on that, P.T., I had been – I don't want to say critical. I, I was not a huge fan of the Eagles drafting Juergens in the second round. Okay. Just because, like, it's a center. You didn't think he was going to have to play this year. They had Kelsey. And they had other center options on the team. Sure. All right? So it was, hey, you've got Landon Dickerson. You've got Sayamala. You've got other guys who could play center. I didn't need to waste – I guess saying waste is not fair. <laughs> but take a center in the second round, that being said, I thought Jergens was outstanding. I thought he really showed why the Eagles took him. Very athletic, got out and pulled, something you don't see a lot of centers do. Uh, one center who does it is Kelsey. I thought Jergens really fit in with that line and the and the offensive line looked fantastic.
4: The offensive line looked great uh, to your point on Jergens, you can now see why jason kelsey advocated for him so heavily and said i mean look sometimes you get caught up in the excitement and the hype of draft night but when kelsey came out on draft night and said you know, I actually was telling our staff, this is the guy that we should go for. And that narrative came out because how often do you see a guy whose recommendation is taken for for draft picks? I mean, and, and this just all converged in the right way. So I thought the line looked good. They came through it very healthy. You know, I think Landon Dickerson was the only guy that didn't play. They had 16 guys that didn't play in Friday night's game, but none of them really a concern or a surprise other than Landon Dickerson. And then they came out of it pretty healthy as well. I think there was only one player that got a little banged up. And when you look on the other side, and I see you just called up Zach Wilson on your genie box there, that you know, if you're the Jets and here's your starting quarterback and you've got issues already with a guy, you're like, oh, my
3: God. Well, it's funny because I remember I was at the concert at that moment. I was scrolling through Twitter as I was waiting for the laboratory. And there was a guy in the line, and he said, um, you know, I think Wilson just got hurt. And that's when I went to Twitter, and I said, ooh, it looks like he tore his ACL. And then I tweeted the picture of Homer Simpson going back into the bushes, and it was like opposing coaches right now around the NFL thinking twice. And this is why people uh, teams don't want to play their guys. I mean, for Zach Wilson now, it looks like he may have – Um, I think there's some news, like there was an ACL tear report, then it was like a bone bruise. I don't know that anything's kind of been cleared up. I think he's going to get some tests out west or something right now. But this is why teams don't want to play these guys, man, right? They don't want to play guys. And and I tweeted out, like Zach Wilson to me, he looked okay, but he made a Zach Wilson play. Kaiser White makes the interception. He steps right in front. And I said, that is exactly (laughs) what... (laughs) <laughs> Zach Wilson is. He's a guy who can't read the defense. He didn't see the linebacker there. But that being said, a couple guys on my list. I just had a bunch of guys that I said, all right, these are the guys who really jumped off the television to me. Okay. One, Jordan Davis is a big oh problem. Oh, my gosh, he's a
4: beast, is He's he? a
3: big problem. And How does he
4: not pop on your TV? Because you just see him occupying so much traffic, and it just uh, – I heard Sal Pal on earlier on our air – talking about jordan davis and how much better he makes people behind him
3: well sal pal texted me after the game because i brought up to him on friday when he was on that hey maybe um nicobe dean is one of those guys that needs to get game action that maybe he's not jumping off the page in practices Mm -hmm. but maybe once you get live game action you'll see more about what he's about And Sal Pal sent me the text on Friday night after that game was over, and he said, as predicted, Dean came to life under the lights. That kid's a baller. There's the video of him just absolutely blowing up a guard and knocking that guy into the running back. So you saw him read the run game. The play where Jordan Davis absolutely is taking up, there's one video of him where three guys are blocking him, right? and there's Dean just sweeping up and cleaning up house. I mean, look, Jordan Davis showed why he was drafted by the Eagles where he was. Dean, I'm very interested to see what ends up happening with this linebacker. I can't get a read because I thought Kaiser White played well. I thought T.J. Edwards played well. So I don't think White or Dean far outshined anybody else. He just was another guy who played well. So I don't know what they're going to end up doing with, with Dean and White and Edwards and then you got Davion Taylor.
4: But that's a good problem to have, to have, need options, to have options. To me, the thing about Nicobe Dean was I had seen these reports coming out of camp that, you know, and coming out of the practices that he ha- wasn't flashing in the way that they thought he was going to flash. And my goodness, in the game, he certainly flashed. And maybe that was just, you know, there was even one play that I saw go out on social media where they basically highlighted the combination of Jordan Davis does his job to start with, and then Nicobe Dean, like he cleaned up for N'Kobe Dean or vice versa. They're sort of working in conjunction with each other, and that's what a good defense should do. You know what I mean? The, I know people hate to hear bend but don't break, but that's the NFL. You don't want to give up break plays. You don't want to give up big plays, and if you have one level and then another level, and they're both working in complement of each other, you know, kind of like you and me on this show. We work together.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and I want people out there listening who watch the game Friday night, send us a text, 609 403 0973. Or if you're listening on the free mobile app, message us through the app on your phone. Uh, who stood out to you? What are some of the things that got you excited from Monday night, or excuse me, from Friday night on this Monday? When you look back at that game what's something that now you're like, wow, I'm excited about the season because of what I saw. Now, it's hard to get excited about what you saw in a preseason game, but I definitely think that there were some things that you got to see. Um, Number one, as we mentioned, Jordan Davis is going to be a problem. I think that's evident right there. That, um, And, again, you can't be someone who says, well, he doesn't make any tackles. He doesn't. That's not what Jordan Davis is about. He's not going to have 100 tackles. Heck, he's not going to have 50 tackles. But how many tackles will this team get within the three-yard area because because he he is taking up so much attention? I couldn't believe how much attention in a preseason game, Pete, that the Jets put on him. I mean, they had three guys on him at one point. They were double-teaming. He was bouncing guys. He was pushing guys into the backfield. The running back had no place to go, and that really shows you. And look, the Jets... You know, as bad as they've been, their offensive line is not one of their weak spots.
4: No, the offensive line is not one of their weak spots. I think they have good depth there. And and to me, uh, again, there's three things. One, don't get hurt, right? Don't get anybody significant hurt. Two, try to knock some rust off, but do that in the balance of not getting anybody hurt. And then three, sort of see what you have in some new people and new roles and new places. Uh, Look, would it have been nice to, because you had also spoken about this, Mike Gill, would it have been nice to have seen the T.O., 2.0, 2.0, right? Like yeah. Hertz roll back and throw like an 87-yard bomb to uh, A.J. Brown. That would have been great, but but I'm okay with what they did do in the scheme of things because what they did was, the guy goes out and has a perfect quarterback rating. He, he throws on the move. He makes smart decisions. You know, you see the hints of that RPO again where, look, I still think that Jalen Hurts, when the pressure comes, I think he's got that alarm clock in his head quicker than most that goes, let me get the heck out of here. Let me run.
3: Right. But, well, Sirianni was asked about it too. Like, did he take off on that play? Did he got too, hit too early? That he got right. hit out of bounds, and obviously that sparked a little bit of fire from Sirianni. I mean, he were was, you
4: uh, you watched that live? You said because I, I mean, saw that when live, they yeah. cut to that. And that's look. I, I mean, I don't mean to go too technical with the TV stuff, but when they cut to Sirianni and you read his lips perfectly, and then they cut to Robert Salah, and then they cut back to Sirianni, I'm like, this is great. This is like WWE wrestling. This is outstanding.
3: Yeah, well, that play there was the one that everybody was talking about. Hey, did he take off too early? And Look, he's not – I think Sal said it. You know, he was on with Barton Hahn today on the drive over. He said it like, is he a Aaron Rodgers? Is he an all-pro? No. Right. But, you know, six for six. He made some good decisions. He made some good plays. He makes plays with his feet. Is he going to be perfect? Absolutely not. No quarterback is. But did he show improvement? I think that's the big question. Did you think Hurt showed improvement? I thought that he showed better arm strength and he made a couple throws. Um, The one you mentioned, he rolled out to the right. I think he threw one incomplete to um, Deion Kane. He caught that ball um, on the right sideline and it just showed, I thought, some better arm strength, some better. Uh, touch on his ball. I mean, the throw, the pass that he threw to Goddard on the touchdown pass. It's a good decision there. He found the open guy, and that's probably uh, a second or third read on that play. So, you know. If they're playing the Jets, it's a preseason game. I'm not going to get all that crazy about it, but I like what I saw. for And by the way, don't expect to see Hurts anymore.
4: No, nope, that was it, and that's all. Uh, do you, why would you want to it's, if you look around at the possibility of the guy getting injured? I mean, really, what else do you want to see out of that guy before week one? You know, another point that I heard on the way over here today was not only how Hurts played, but look at the other three quarterbacks in the division and ask yourself which one of those quarterbacks truly scares you. Are you scared of the Ginger Jesus in Washington, of Carson Wentz and the Commanders? Does that worry you? Are you worried about Daniel Jones in New York, who uh, continues to have self inflicted wounds? Are you worried about Dak? Well, Dak is very talented. At no point am I going to sit here and say that Dak Prescott is not an elite level quarterback. He
3: also doesn't have any weapons around him anymore,
4: Mike.
3: Uh, Calvin in Wildwood's listening on the mobile app, and he hits us up on the app. He says, Miles Sanders actually surprised me with a couple catches. He struggled the past couple of years. You know, that's a good point, because Sanders was a guy that caught the ball well in college. And he actually caught the ball well his first year in the league. Mm -hmm. Um, And he kind of, I think Calvin's right. He kind of has gotten away from being a weapon out of the backfield. I would like to see more Miles Sanders catching the ball out of the backfield and uh, on Friday night, you saw Miles Sanders with two catches for 20 yards. Two for 20 was good. Jalen Rager
4: probably locked his spot in on the team on Friday night as well. Three for 26, you know, and, and including that 17-yarder, that was his long catch of the night. So, I mean, I think a lot of questions were answered, and uh I'm cautiously optimistic. Jeff forward.
3: text in. Devontae Smith didn't even play. The offense is going to be scary. Watkins is going to bust out player with all them weapons. I'm excited with a bunch of exclamation points. That's from uh, Jeff who's hitting us up on the text board. Yeah, Smith did not play and uh, you mentioned Landon Dickerson did not play, so mm-hmm. that's two pretty big pieces of their offense uh, that we did not see, but just how they're going to incorporate Smith and Goddard and Brown and then he mentioned Watkins and then Sanders Danny Gainwell also did not play. Some more text messages. Terry and Galloway says, Guys, I was happy to see how the team responded after that classless late hit on Jalen. lotta running over there for his quarterback. It's a close team that each has each other's back. Jets are a classless organization from top to bottom.
4: Boom. I like it. Listen, Mylotta ran over. I know that... Uh Lane Johnson was over there, like, and was asked about it afterwards. the The, the quote that he gave after the game, uh, Jordan Malata said, "I don't give a damn if it is preseason." That, that to me is like, well, yes, if you listen to stand up for your guy.
3: the broadcasts, Ross Tucker and Scott Graham are the broadcasters for the Eagles preseason, and 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 I thought Tucker brought up a couple interesting points in that. You say this all the time: when the game is the game, when like you're in that moment. You're not thinking in your head, ah, this is just a preseason game. Your instincts take over as an athlete right. of this guy's running at me and i got to make a tackle or this ball is thrown to me and i got to go up and go get it. Like, the highest of high-level athletes aren't thinking, eh, it's only a preseason game. I'm only going to give, like, you know, 60% effort on this particular play. And a lot of these guys, the starters, know. these are the only... 10 plays I'm getting it for the next three weeks. I'm going to give it all I got. And then the reserve guys, they're all playing because they're looking, they know they're not making the team. Right. So they're trying to get on the radar for somebody else to pick them up. So you get a lot of situations where you get these players who are leaving it all out on the field in certain situations where you're like, eh, it's only a preseason game. Not to the guys on the field it's not.
4: Right. And that's the thing is, like, if you were to sit there and ask, and I, don't, I didn't see this afterwards, did anybody ask – Quincy Williams himself, the linebacker for the Jets, did they ask him straight up, like, hey, what were you thinking on that hit there? Like, do, couldn't you see he was out of Like, I don't know if anybody, Rich Savini or anybody from the Jets beat, went to ask that. What I do know is, you know, it's split-second decisions. You're talking millions of dollars, of whether you make the team or not. And, and you have You know, these hits happen. I'm not defending the guy. I'm simply saying, and and not for nothing, but it wasn't just Mylotta. There basically was a crew of Mylotta, Isaac Sayamalu, and Lane Johnson, who all sort of swarmed in there right away to be like, not cool, man. Not cool. Uh,
3: Last text before we get to a break here. Decent game by the Eagles starters versus the Jets. These joint practices are key, and I just wonder about the Eagles hype, uh, the hype they're getting. Yet, Maybe it's well deserved. Now, not very wise of you not to say uh, bet. Not very wise of you not to say bet was good versus Phillies Mets. The Phillies played well the first two games versus the best two pitchers in the National League. Maybe the game, but the Mets have not lost a series to the division twenty six and zero. Let's see. Uh, listen, I said on Friday's show, I thought the Mets were going to sweep the Phillies. So. They very well could have if Friday night went a little differently. Yeah. They went extra innings. They ended up winning that game two, two games to one. Were they were unbelievable. to
4: watch. They were highly entertaining.
3: Here's it was the problem. Like playoff game. Here's the problem, and we'll come back on the other side and talk a little bit more about that Phillies series. Eagles on the table. Phillies on the table. There's Actually, some Sixers news on the table as well. Uh-huh. We'll get to that. Mike McGarry, John McMullen, you guys out there, keep your text messages coming. What impressed you about the Eagles on Friday night? Thoughts on the Phillies? Because I said on Friday I thought they'd get swept. They end up winning one, so fine. But part of the problem was they went into the weekend with no Schwarber, and you knew Harper was out. Now, there's some news on Harper. Mm. There's some news on the Phillies. So we'll get all that on the other side, plus McGarry. He was up there all weekend. So i want to get the atmosphere yeah. in New York, all that and more. Sports Bash is live here today at the Gallery, Bar, Book, and Games at Ocean Casino In Atlantic City this is our Monday home all season long so stop out and see us UFC 278 is here on August the 20th and all the games on all the TVs the bars in front of us we're hanging out plus if your name is in listen for your name coming up I have another winning name for the Eagles trip to Washington to see the Eagles take on the commanders so when we come back I'll get you a qualifying name for details, go to our website, 97.3ESPN.com. It's the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN.
1: Now, back
3: to the spree ESPN. All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. We're live at the Gallery, Bar Book and Games, Ocean Casino Resort, AC every Monday. I got another qualifying name coming up in just a minute. How was your weekend, Peter?
4: It was a nice weekend. I appreciate you asking. Uh, Hello to you from all the folks aboard the Cape May Ferry, the Cape May to Lewis Ferry. I went over to play golf over in Delaware with my friend Kevin. And uh, a lot of people on the ferry listen to the sports bash. That's very cool. Including one of the crew members who said to me, oh, I hear you on the radio with Mike Gill. I said, oh, I appreciate that. And he says, yeah he really gives it to you doesn't he <laughs> and i said well i know my role <laughs> i understand my role so they said hello they're listening hello to the folks on the ferry hello
3: to the people on the ferry i like a nice ferry ride
4: it was wonderful i, I know you've done it before right? oh yeah i mean it's absolutely it's really the way
3: to go i think that i would love for us to do a show on the ferry That'd be a awesome. Bunch of our listeners. Like go over
4: and go back. Maybe
3: we do like uh, like on an Eagle Sunday or something to have like uh, you know a watch party on there.
4: They got TVs on there, man. They got believe food, me, they I got told TVs, you. They I've got beverages. The f- I've been on
3: the ferry, <laughs> yeah. and it is a nice. Uh, it's just uh, like they like they should turn it into a, like a night. where you just hang out on the ferry and take a ride. <laughs> I think we would do that.
1: Exactly. I'd be it.
3: Just tell me when. So I had
4: a nice <laughs> weekend. I shot one hundred and three, by the way, in case you were worried uh, but i parted the last hole that's so nice. i was happy about that
3: uh, well that's very good yes right yes uh, all right i got another winning name here pete thompson what another qualifying name uh this person is going to be going uh to the uh, garden state brewery on friday august 26th we're going to be there live i'm excited for that too and one lucky winner is going to go to washington to see the eagles take on the commanders and that's going to be anthony rando anthony rando is our latest qualifier so anthony rando if you are out there or somebody knows anthony rando let them know that he just qualified for that eagles road trip And uh, we'll see him at Garden State Brewery. The road trip is provided by Philly Sports Trips. It's time to check out the full trip lineup at phillysportstrips.com. We're going to be at Garden State Brewery on Friday the 26th. One lucky winner is going to win the trip. With philly sports trips there's gonna be food that day from ernest and sons Mm -hmm. uh over in brigantine they're gonna have the food at garden state brewery we're gonna be there we're gonna give uh the trip away so that's uh two fridays from now man my god the summer's flying by it
4: really truly is flying by i mean you know you said you had gone to the tidal wave over the weekend i can't believe like you know uh i'm going to rod stewart on friday by the way in case i didn't tell you that already so Uh, I will not be. uh, I'll be uh, connecting remotely. uh, Okay. Where's Rod Stewart playing? He's over at Hard Rock, I believe.
3: How about that?
4: Yeah. So, I mean, big name acts coming in. They continue to come in. It just means Labor Day is fast and furious coming. Now, speaking of which,
3: now, we had been doing that concert talk last week.
4: Yes. So, first first
3: one was STP. Last one is now Tidal Wave. Okay. And then next one, I said... I'd like to see Smashing Pumpkins. Now, apparently, they are playing in, in Philly.
4: Oh, where at?
3: Uh, at the Wells Fargo Center. Oh,
4: okay. Right? okay. But do we know anybody
3: there? Uh, <laughs> uh, also, right here at Ocean, Bare Naked Ladies are playing, yes. and that is a concert I would like to see. Well, you will
4: be pleased to know that as your consigliari, I have already had a discussion on our behalf.
3: And well, there's a lot there's of people that want to go, so don't just, yeah. uh, you know, don't check don't do it without checking with me first.
4: What are you talking about?
3: Just saying. I'm, I did
4: check with you. We talked about it. you. I'm said you wanted saying to
3: go, I I, uh, other people that I know are interested in going to the show.
4: Oh, you're saying
3: my ask wasn't big enough? It was, but I'm saying other people would like to go with us. Ah, uh, very good.
4: Yeah, I, I hear that. I, cool. I actually asked for us and our ladies. Oh, well, that's nice. Yeah. I well, thought that was a nice number.
3: It's... Uh, How many?
4: Four. <laughs> Four. <laughs> All
3: right. So let's get into the fills this weekend because I had said Friday. Now, Josh correctly predicted that the phillies would lose the win the scherzer game i said i thought they'd get swept realistically they could have got swept they didn't do bupkis all weekend long offensively they right. stunk they very now, much struggled to score runs not having schwarber not having harper proved to be a very big challenge for them but a bigger challenge was facing jacob Degrom, grom who was uh we had the game on saturday right. night on my back porch My girlfriend, who's not the biggest baseball fan in the world, although I feel like she's starting to enjoy it a little bit more because the Phillies are good. Yeah, and relevant and in the hunt. I said to her, this game might be about an hour and a half. Yeah. And she was like, what do you mean? Yeah. And I said, well, these two guys pitching are – and, and in the sixth inning, that we got, it was an hour and a half. So, I mean, an hour and a half is really ridiculous. But I think the game wasn't much more than two hours and 15 minutes on Saturday night.
4: Right. And the guy I kept looking at, you know, and the guy that I really felt for was Marsh, right, the new center fielder. Because on I, I, I watched him on Friday night struggle with Scherzer. And, like, you know, he struck out looking. He struck out swinging at one point. He's sort of muttering things under his breath. And then he has to go up against DeGrom. And he's completely... Like humiliated and embarrassed, and you know, I mean, the fact that like, uh, and they just put this out in the notes, by the way, the the fact that uh, the Phillies have, look at the pictures that they faced, right? Look at yeah, the they've had a rough run at up against, a rough run. A rough run would be like one one ace or one one struggle. They they've had to go up against guys like Alcatraz. Cantra, I'm sorry, I can't say his Yeah, And uh, DeGrom and Scherzer. And I mean, it's like ace after ace after ace. Now, finally, like, I'm sorry, no disrespect to the left handed Mike Miner, but I don't think he instills the same fear
3: in the Phillies lineup tonight, whatever it is. No, may but be. the disappointing part about it, we'll talk to McGarry because he, I think he was there yesterday. Wheeler threw yesterday, and they just were not competitive in that game. Bassett just absolutely shut them down. That was the frustrating part. Okay, I can understand getting shut down by Scherzer. Yeah. I can understand getting beat up or shut down by DeGrom. Sure. Bassett's pretty good, but after being shut down for two days offensively, you would think that, You'd all right, let's get something, something going against yeah. Bassett, and you showed nothing yesterday. Is that concerning? We'll talk to Mike McGarry coming up here on the Sports Bash Live 97.3 ESPN. Anthony Rando, congratulations to him. Anthony Rando is qualified for the uh, Eagles road trip. We're giving somebody a trip to Washington to see the Eagles play the Commanders. So if you want to sign up for that, go to our website 97.3ESPN.com. Sports Bash is brought to you by American Airlines and the Atlantic City International Airport, ACY now has your one-stop ticket to over 90 domestic and international destinations. Book today at AA.com. Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City. What was the message this weekend from the Phillies' loss? Plus, I got some Sixers news on the way. Ho, ho, ho. It's a little bit of a clue for you. Uh
1: Ah, yes. Very good. We'll
3: have... uh, Why did you look at my belly when you said that? (laughs) We'll have Philly (laughs) Sports on christmas eve and christmas day how about that sounds good details coming up on the sports badge. now back
0: to more without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: On 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader.
3: Uh, Phil's rough weekend in New York. Yeah, they got one on Friday night with a feel good win, but the rest of the weekend didn't go their way. Let's bring in Mike McCarry from the press of Atlantic City, who was at the city field. Now, I don't know if he was there the whole weekend, but uh, maybe he was. Ma- Mike, were you there all weekend long? No, uh, Friday and Sunday. All right. So the Friday night game, you're there. Sunday uh, was the game that I think was the most disappointing. I mean, I get it. You lose to DeGrom. He-, he shut you down. You didn't have it. But uh, the-, the way the offense was shut down completely all weekend long, including yesterday, I thought that was one of the bigger takeaways. Now, I get it. no Schwarber and no Harper, so can I really take much out of the weekend?
5: Yeah, I I mean, I think what you can take out of the weekend is, um, you know, going in, I think people saw it as a measuring stick uh, for the Philadelphia Phillies to see how they stacked up against a Mets team that's really been the class of the division since day one. And I think the gap, you know, there's a gap between the teams. I mean, they played 14 times. Uh, The Mets have won 10 of them. Uh, You know, Chris Bassett, who pitched yesterday through five shutout innings, I mean, he's thrown 20 shutout innings. The Mets, the Phillies have good pitching. The Mets right now have have great pitching. And that's really the difference between the teams. The other difference that I see is the Phillies have a lot of hitters who tend to strike out a lot. The Mets are a team that puts the ball in play. They make a lot of contact. There's a lot made of soft contact hits. The Braves were complaining about it. Last weekend, the Phillies, uh, we all fell victim to it a little bit. You know, if that happens once, it, it's a coincidence, but it happens on a uh, on, a, on a consistent basis, the Mets are benefiting from ga- having guys who put the ball in play on a consistent basis. Right now, the Mets are just better than the Phillies. I, I'm not going to look at it as a negative uh, for the for the Phillies. Uh, they can continue to try to close that gap, but as of right now, I just think the Mets are a better team.
3: Yeah, I don't think that much can argue with that. Now, getting Schwarber and Harper back will certainly change the dynamics a little bit. I mean, for them to scratch out the win against Scherzer, I thought was, uh, you know, a, Kind of saved the weekend because otherwise you would have got swept out there. But what do we know about Harper and Schwarber and when they might be back?
5: Well, Schwaber's expected back. You know, I, I think they hope to have him back in Cincinnati. Obviously, they pinch hit him Saturday night. If they thought he was going to go on the injured list, they would not have pinch hit him on Saturday night. If they thought he was going to be back later rather than sooner, they would not have pinch hit him because the, if they. Had to put him on the injured list, they could have backdated it to last Friday uh, and and gotten him back a lot sooner. So I would expect Schwab to return to the lineup, maybe not tonight, but tomorrow. And, and Dave Dombrowski just uh, said on uh, high heat on the MLB Network that September 1st is realistic for Bryce Harper to return. Harper is taking batting practice on the field today. In Philadelphia, you know, on his Instagram page, there's a a shot of him swinging in the cage uh, on the field in Philadelphia. And Dombrowski on uh, the MLB Network today said September 1st is realistic. And he also said Harper will come back as a designated hitter, which means it kind of backed off the elbow thing and trying to get him to come back and play right field also. So September 1st is what, two weeks from uh, today or yesterday, uh, you know, yeah. and, and I would certainly think that would also be realistic for Harper to get back.
3: There's 31 days in August, so it'd be right. about 17 days. I forget how that two. goes.
4: 31 days, half September, April, June, something like that, Mike. Uh, I, hi, Mike. I want to ask you about uh, a little bit about uh, the fact that they looks like they're going to miss. DeGrom, and Scherzer in the upcoming weekend uh, against the Mets at home. If, if it stays the way it is, it looks like it could be Bassett, Carrasco, Peterson, and Walker. And remember, there's that doubleheader on Saturday. But, you know, uh, boy, how the cookie crumbles in the fact that they could miss the two guys that gave them the most trouble up in New York.
5: Yeah, well, I think any team in baseball, if they're playing the Mets, would like to miss Scherzer and DeGrom, right? Uh, And uh, Scherzer, I guess, is, is slated to pitch Wednesday, DeGrom, Thursday, both in Atlanta. So they'll obviously miss the weekend. And that's why, you know... They have their final Phillies and Mets play for the final time this season, four games. I don't look at this as much as a a measuring stick or a barometer of the Phillies as I did this previous weekend exactly for that reason. I don't think you get a true test of how you stack up against the Mets if you don't see at least Scherzer or DeGrom. So it's still a four-game series, still a chance for the Phillies to, uh, you know, uh, make up some ground and, and make a statement. But I don't look at this as the measuring stick that I saw you know, last week, uh, this past weekend. Also, you look at this past weekend, it's also a dress rehearsal for the playoffs, right? Because this is what the Phillies are probably going to face on the playoffs. They're probably going to have to be on the road three games in an opposing uh, team's ballpark against uh, that opposing team's ace pitcher. So, this was also kind of a, a dress rehearsal for the upcoming playoffs if they make it.
4: Yeah, I, th- I certainly thought Friday night and Saturday night's games felt like playoff games from the atmosphere. You were there. You understand what it felt like. Uh, you talk about assess and ascertain. I'd like to know what your impressions have been of Noah Syndergaard. He That's who goes tonight in Cincinnati. And I've been seeing reports that they're trying to change a little bit of his pitching style. He's leaning on his slider. A lot more Cale Cotham's trying to get him to throw that slider with more frequency through 37 of them the other night. So, I mean, I guess he's listening to the message that he's getting.
5: Yeah, my mind on on Syndergaard is he's a guy, when he goes out there, you can't expect anything more than five or six innings and him keeping you in the game and giving the team a chance to win. That's what makes a successful start for Syndergaard. He's not the guy who threw 100 miles per hour with the Mets, Um, You know, he throws 93, 94 now. But even back in the days when he threw 100 miles with the Mets, he, he, you know, he would often be, you know, at that 100 pitch mark in the fifth or sixth inning. You know, he'd have an impressive strikeout toll, but he really didn't go deep into games. And it's important to keep in mind here. I know he's got the nickname of Thor and this and that. He wants to 100 miles an hour, but he's the number five starter on the team. So to expect, you know, you have to have realistic expectations for him as a number five starter. And as that number five starter, you know, I expect him to just go out there and throw five or six innings. And when he leaves the game, the Phillies should have a chance to win it.
3: Well, Mike, you know, he'll throw tonight in Cincinnati. And with New York for four this weekend, it kind of heightens the importance of getting these games in Cincinnati. You can't afford to, to drop these type of games. If you know, hey, look, we might not match up well with the match, so we got to pick up these kind of games tonight.
5: Yeah, also, you know, you look at the – what is it? It's it's basically seven teams for six spots in the National League, and it's basically, you know, it looks to be the Phillies, uh, the Padres, and right now the Brewers, uh, you know, three teams for two spots in, in, in the National League, and it seems like one of those teams – be it the Phillies, the Padres, or the Brewers, is always going to be playing a bad team and and have an opportunity to get some wins. And right now, the Reds are a bad team. They they traded Tommy Pham to Boston. They traded Chris Drury to San Diego. They got rid of Castillo to Seattle. They're basically like the Nationals. They're basically like a four A team. And if you are in, a, if you're a team like the Phillies that have, has scored two runs in their yeah. last thirty seven innings, a one good place. uh, get the offense back on track would be great American ballpark against a 4A team. It's a great place to hit, and you're not going to be facing, you know, the caliber of pitching you faced the past couple of days. So this is an opportunity for the Phillies to get healthy, to get back on the right track offensively, and, you know, I would expect, you know, minimum – you know, it has to be two out of three, if not three yep. out of three in Cincinnati this week.
3: And then they have Cincinnati for four after they right. play the Mets for four. So you have seven games coming up against Uh, The Cincinnati Reds, and then a three game series with Pittsburgh and a three game series with Arizona. So there's some opportunity to make, uh, you know, get some separation here, but you can't afford to start tripping up in these type of games. And I guess uh, lastly, here, you take a look at Corey Kinable, going to go to the injured list today. Sam Coonrod. Uh, is going to come, and uh, he'll get his first uh, action of the season. So the Phillies' bullpen has kind of held up, but uh, a couple changes there. But the bullpen, even this weekend, they they were pretty good uh, for the weekend, so we're starting to feel pretty good about where that bullpen is.
5: Yeah, a- absolutely, but but Kanebo does hurt because one of the strengths of the bullpen was the depth, right? And Kanebo was at a point where I think he had pitched 14 or 15 great outings in a row. He was kind of over his early season problems, and that's one of the things you know, you have Sir Anthony back there. You had Dave Robertson back there. But if, if those guys weren't available, you felt pretty comfortable going to Canable in a, in a save spot or a tie game in the ninth inning. I don't know how comfortable you feel going to Sam Coomrod in True. the same situation. So Knievel being out and it's one of those lat injuries and baseball players and lat injuries seem to never, you know, never go quick or, or they always seem to be a problem. Um, yeah. That's a blow to the Phillies bullpen that relied on depth, and now lo- you no longer have that depth because, you know, I don't feel that great about Sam Coonrod in the same spots as I would Corey Kinable.
3: Definitely not. No, and Coonrod, by the way, hasn't pitched all year, so uh, to put him in no, any exactly. sort of high-leverage situations. All right. Uh, by the way, what was, the, what was it like? A Full house, right? All three days?
5: Yeah, just a great atmosphere. I, I tell people all the time, I hear all the time, you know baseball's this baseball doesn't connect with young people stuff like that if you thought that you should have been at city field on friday night the the place was absolutely jumping you know i would say a lot of people in their 20s uh you know at the ballpark a lot of young people in the ballpark a crowd that hung on every pitch uh you know friday night's game the atmosphere was uh, unbelievable diaz comes in the game you know the uh, when Behrling, uh threw the guy out at the plate as Vogelbach's up, you really had a shout to speak to the person next to you to be heard. Uh, it was really a tremendous setting. So all you people out there that tell me baseball is dead and this and that and the game takes too long and stuff like that, go to City Field on a Friday night, and <laughs> maybe you'll think a little bit different when, when you come home.
3: All right. Mike McGarry has coverage of the series in the press of Atlantic City at AC Press. McGarry, take care, Mike. All right, we'll see you down the road. Thanks, uh, Mike McGarry from the press, right there all season, uh, uh, all weekend long. I guess Friday and Sunday he was up at City Field, and you he just no heard about truth the, to the
4: rumor that he stuck in the Mister bet costume and played the trumpet on the Saturday <laughs> game. That was him.
3: <laughs> that was, uh, and by the way, the Phillies had a chance against Diaz I and mean, had some runners on base. They he threw what five sliders in that series um, in, in that, that at bat in yeah. that sequence. And you know right? who was
4: at bat, right? Castellanos. Yes. As in fact, so much so that well, they, they I was that off. Well, that before
3: uh, to Real Mucho. Okay. He threw five, five sliders yeah. and ended up walking them.
4: Right. And, and I know this. Uh, I, I was off the ferry at that point and into my car, so I was listening on the Phillies radio broadcast, and I heard whoever was working with Fransky. I think it might have been Chad Durbin this past weekend, but Durbin said, Nick Castellanos, if you're ever looking for your
3: Phillies moment, this is it. And what did he do? Well, I mean, last <laughs> or what was it? Two weeks ago, I guess he hit that home run, and then he threw the guy out at the plate. Yeah, and uh, so he's had a couple of moments. But yeah, I mean, he came up in a tough spot. Look, Diaz has been Light phenomenal this been year, and Castellanos uh, ends up striking out, and it's disappointing, obviously. But they had some guys on base; they had a shot to to do something. But look, once they got the Grom out of that game, you, you you know, once you get to their bullpen, and that's the weak spot of their that's team, true. their bullpen. Uh, now, Diaz has been outstanding, but if they have a weak spot, their bullpen's probably um, their weakest spot. Did you see the attendance
4: up there? 38-4, 43-8, that's a sellout on Saturday, and then 40,000 yesterday. They all felt like playoff games because they were all packed. Well,
3: I'm wondering if they're complaining about the prices, the weather. Your move, Citizens Bank people. What else uh, were the Philly fans complaining about from Jimmy Rollins' text message last week? Prices, weather. Ball's in your oh, court, right. Phillies fans. There I'll be there go. Saturday night. Join me. All right. You're going to the game Saturday? Saturday night.
4: Oh, wow. We're a world traveler. It's Elf a du- du- doubleheader,
1: remember.
4: we going to both? No,
3: because it's not a two-game, one-ticket. Oh. <laughs> all right. More Sports Bash coming up. John McMullen. From Burge 365 will join us with his impressions of what he saw on Friday night in Philly. This is
1: The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill.
3: All right, hour two, we're live at the gallery, Bar Book and Games at Ocean Casino Monday. Mike Gill, Pete Thompson. Don McMullen from Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel set to join us to give us some thoughts on what he saw Friday night. You can also reach on at Sports Illustrated, SI.com. Some of the things that stood out. Were there actual uh, things to take from this game, or was it just a, hey, let's get these guys in, get them healthy? The Jets can't say it's the same. They did not get through that game fully healthy. They lost Zach Wilson for... Uh, couple it's of weeks it looks like of time, yes right? so let's see what John saw on Friday night what stood out what did we actually learn from preseason game number one if anything at all John what's going on bud
6: hey how are you guys we, We're we doing got a well. perfect quarterback that's what, that's <laughs> what we well want. right I was going to say right.
3: is this uh was what performance was better Jalen Hurts last uh Friday night or Sam Bradford against Green Bay okay. when he went 10 for 10.
6: Man oh I per- did Sam do one fifty eight point three? I assume he did, but you know it's perfect. You can't get any better than perfect. Although right. you know we Mike sealski and I and other people were still complaining he he got out of the pocket a little bit too quick. Yeah, that's Philadelphia for you.
3: Well, he took but, uh, that shot, obviously, that uh, everybody had been talking about, and that was the play that I think it was Mike uh, that – or maybe Jeff McLean asked about, hey, did he you know make that decision to get out of there? Is that something he still needs to work on?
6: Yeah, and he does. I mean, it, it's kind of his default mechanism, um, you know, blushing right. And, and, and it'll be more difficult as you move on and get tougher tests. Remember, nobody's game-planning in the preseason so if you go back to january and todd bowles and tampa bay and he had a great game plan uh and it was designed to to flush jalen left where he's not comfortable uh now he had the talent to do it he had vita Vea. he had linebackers who can run not everybody's going to have similar talent but they're all going to try to do that and the jets were running out to vanilla defense just like the eagles were running out a vanilla offense, so you don't take preseason action too seriously. Other than, look, the the starters in a very short cameo appearance were really good offensively and defensively with Kaiser White. So basically, hmm. with those guys out there, the only part that mattered, they were up fourteen nothing. So that's yeah. better than the alternative, as I say, it's better no than question. stinking up the joint. I was going to say, so
3: of the things that were positives, uh, what are the things that you can say? Those were positives, and I think that they'll stick. You know, I saw this, and that's a good sign because I think because of that happening, you should see that happen in regular season games.
6: Well, I, I, I think the two things I would be most excited about if I were an Eagles fan were uh, are the presence the presence of both A.J. Brown and Jordan Davis. A.J. Brown didn't even get the football, but if you look at the touchdown throw, look where the two defenders are going with A.J. Brown, which opens up the space for Dallas Goddard. And then you have Jordan Davis. I mean, you know, preseason, and the Jets are already taking two at times, three people to try to block the guy. And he just... And I've said this before in Birds 365. I... You know, Nicobe Dean was obviously very upset about uh, falling to the third round of the draft. But he should be happy, man. He, he he ends up in the same spot he was in Georgia where this guy doesn't let blockers touch linebackers. He should be thrilled. Now, now granted, he's going to have to wait a while to make up the money he would have gotten as a first-round pick. But... And I say this about T.J. Edwards as well and Kaiser White. That guy does not let blockers get the linebackers. It is amazing. Mm.
4: John McBowen with that trickle-down effect that Jordan Davis brings to Mm. a guy like Jacoby Dean. That's a position I wanted to ask you about, John, because Kaiser White popped, obviously, with the interception. I mean, uh, Zach Wilson threw it right to him, and that was fun to watch and fun to see, but how do you think the rest of the linebackers, including Dean, performed as a whole?
3: i got to say, John, I thought the linebacking Friday night made that position way more confusing than I thought it was going to be.
6: Well, I don't think it's confusing because you look at who that I call them the deference players. the Eagles paid deference to TJ Edwards and Kaiser White. they're only out there for uh a, you know three, four snaps. Uh, that tells you they've won the starting job. They're the starting linebackers. And Kobe Dean played a lot as a rookie um, and made some plays. but you know, they have time it's it's a luxury. they can wait uh, and maybe. If TJ underperforms, if, if Kaiser underperforms, uh, and, and Davion Taylor as well, who's had a good summer, um, um, and people kind of forget about him, uh, it's a good problem to have, uh, and it's not a problem the Eagles are used to having. because. You know, we're typically asking do they have any linebackers. Now they have too many linebackers. (laughs) Ain't that the truth. right? It's a wonderful
4: problem to have. Well, if we're progressing through the defense and we're going D-line and then linebacker, the natural question then is to ask how the corners look. And, I mean, on paper, Slay, Bradbury, Maddox, I mean, they could could go down as one of the best trios ever.
6: Yeah, I, I, I mean, on paper, they're the best trio the Eagles have had in a very very long time Um, Slay is you know he's a no doubt about it top 10 corner in this league Uh, Bradbury as I've said he's been the best Eagles player at training camp throughout the summer he's been unbelievable and Avante Maddox everybody forgets about Avante because he bounced around so much early in his career playing safety playing outside they finally settled him down in the nickel, which is what they drafted him for originally, and he and he excelled. So now you have all those spots. I'm a little bit concerned about the depth because that's a position where you're liable to get somebody banged up for a week. You saw it last year with Slay and the concussions and uh, you know, Zach McPherson hasn't set the world ablaze in some of these young corners, but you're nitpicking there. That, that, the starting group, if they stay healthy, that's going to be top five in the NFL. I don't no. think there's any doubt about it.
3: Now, John, you mentioned the depth. Um, did you get any takeaways from who's in contention to be the depth?
6: Well, Zach's going to be the fourth guy. and uh, I kind of asked myself why, to be honest, because I don't think he's necessarily earned it. Uh, but the Eagles seem to think a little bit more highly of him than perhaps us looking at practice every day. Uh, maybe it's the behind the scenes stuff. Maybe it's the meeting stuff. Maybe it's the classroom stuff. Um, they talked a lot about those young corners. You, you, every time Howie Roseman spoke in the offseason, um, he mentioned Mac McCain and, and Kerry Vincent and Tay Gowan. But it's interesting. I mean, they haven't seized anything because all of a sudden, here comes Josh Job, the undrafted free agent from Alabama. He's getting second-team reps hmm. uh, next to opposite Zach McPherson. But the one guy who has stood out is Josiah Scott, so much to the point. He's their, the, the, the backup to Avante Maddox in the slot. And now they're cross-training him at State D. And he's been getting first-team reps at safety as well. So I would say Josiah Scott is the one guy that has stood out. And part of it is because of the cross-training, and he can play uh, multiple positions.
3: Now, on uh, Thursday's show last week, you had mentioned a couple of guys, uh, ship and guys that you thought might get some safety reps. Did we learn any more about the Eagles' safety situation on Friday night? Because those guys got a lot of playing time. <laughs>
6: Yeah, Reed uh, Reed has gotten first team reps in practice as well, so I, I, it tells me at safety uh, they're not uh, they're not set and and they shouldn't be. Marcus Epps and Anthony Harris are going to be the starters, but as far as the backups, they're not. Com- it's pretty clear they are not comfortable with Kayvon Wallace. Um, Andre Sashere is another guy who sort of cross trains, plays some nickel play some safety good special teams players so maybe that helps him but the fact that they moved Josiah Scott the fact that they're looking so hard at at Reed Blankenship I don't know if that's necessarily a good sign for Kayvon Wallace Um, and that's a position I think when you get down to the 53 you got to look at the waiver wire that tight end running back yeah, the Eagles are going to be picking through the waiver wire and maybe looking to add somebody. And also you got to talk about the August trade market because Howie Roseman is famous for that. So, they could use some more depth at running back, tight end and safety.
3: Yeah, I know that um the running back was interesting because you saw No Gainwell, No Scott and Little bit of Sanders. You saw a lot of Jason Huntley, and I guess if he's trying to make the team, uh, you wonder what he did for himself uh, in the game on uh, Friday night in the run game. Um, he had, you know, he caught the ball out of the backfield a little bit, but uh, we didn't see them run the ball all that well.
6: Now, well, Miles is, you know, he was one of the difference players. Uh, he's he's the starting running back. He's the RB one, so to speak. It would have been interesting to see. If Kenny Gainwell was healthy, would he have gotten those looks and, and sort of passing situations? But, you know, we're talking about eight snaps. So right. probably not in a preseason environment. Uh, Boston, as you mentioned, is still not back from the concussion. So, and, and then I find it very hard to believe the Eagles are only going to carry three backs. Uh, so that's where I say they need that fourth back. I, I don't think Jason Huntley helped himself, to be honest, got a ton of touches, had plenty right. of opportunities to help himself. You know, he's a good he's a good kick returner, and he had the return over 40 yards. But, you know, in, in today's game, there's so few kick returns as a whole, you're not going to keep somebody just to be the kick returner. Yeah. So he's going to have to earn a spot by doing something else, and I I don't think he did
3: that. Well, and in that front, you know, you might keep a guy though because he can return punts. That's a dangerous weapon, and you have the Rieger and Covey, and Covey ended up getting banged up a little bit. So, how did that whole um, dynamic go?
6: Yeah, it's funny. Britton thought he tore ligaments in his uh, in his uh, thumb, and that's what he told uh, right. reporters. And Nick Sirianni kind of he's not a doctor. It turns out it was it was it was good for him because it was just a strain. But I don't think he stood out. Same type of thing. If Jalen Rager is here, uh, he's going to be the pump returner. He's probably going to be the kick returner as well, to be honest. Um, and and the Eagles aren't cutting him, so it, it's a matter of can they trade him? Can they move him? Uh, and if they move him, that might open up uh, some opportunities for other people. But if he's here, I mean that's his job. He's going to be he's going to be the pump returner. He's most likely going to be the kickoff returner. Um, and, you know, he'll be waiting if, if A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith or Quiz Watkins gets hurt. Um, he'll be waiting to get those reps at receiver. But the Eagles aren't releasing uh, Jalen Rager. People think they're going that route.
4: John McMullen with us, and I know you talked earlier, John, about AJ Brown. Like everybody, look, it was Gill's dream, and maybe a little bit of mine too, to to have like a Donovan McNabb the to eighty-six yard touchdown in the first preseason game to unleash that new weapon. But uh, I did see what you saw, which is how Brown impacted that touchdown to Goddard. Uh, what about a guy like Zach Pascal, and how has he shown so far, and and what does he bring to the wide receiving court?
6: Uh, yeah, he, he's you know he 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 had the problem with the food poisoning, so he lost 16 pounds, um, and and he finally uh, got back uh, last week, and he really had a, a good practice, um, two touchdowns, and he was finally uh, showing some things. I, I've said it; it's kind of counterintuitive because I know Eagles fans want to see numbers and statistics. But the more Zach uh, Paskill plays, the better it is for the Eagles. And, and why I say that is because he's the big-bodied receiver. Um, he's going to be the guy in the four-minute offense if they have the lead in the fourth quarter uh, because he can block people. And he can also catch the football if he needs to. So that's where it kind of differs from J.J. Ortega-Whiteside he could actually catch the football if you throw it to him as well. And and I know it's as I said it's counterintuitive, but Eagles fans should hope they see a ton of Zach Pascal on the field rep wise because if they do, that means they're winning late yeah. in games.
3: Uh all right, Johnny Mac, you, you, we started this conversation about Jordan Davis, but we could throw him into the mix of defensive linemen. You know, did we get any indication of what John Gannon might do differently? I know he was asked, "Hey, uh, is that you going to call your defense differently?" No, not really. I mean, did you not have guys last year? Nah, I don't think anybody believes them. But did you see anything? <laughs> uh, no, nobody. <laughs> did you pour Les Bowen? Hey, uh, you got different uh, guys now. Nope, not not. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, but did you see anything Friday night from that defensive line that stood out?
6: Well, yeah, I mean, Jordan, Jordan's presence, like I said. That Jonathan's not lying. I mean, last year he played a lot of 5-2 overhang, what he calls it. So whatever you want to call it, 3-4, uh, it's really a 5-2 a two with two overhang players. He played a lot of that last year. The problem was they weren't effective when they went that route uh, because they didn't have the big nose tackle that, that puts everybody in the place so now Javon hargrave for instance would have to play nose tackle not good at it um uh jordan davis is so that sort of fits everything in the place and that means instead of you have that 5-2 look maybe on rundowns and all of a sudden it's second and three and he can't go to what you want to go and pass downs, which is more of the 4-3 look. Right. would be a nickel look, not a 4-3, but a 4 front. Um, that's exactly what he played last year. But they weren't effective to play the, the 52 stuff enough. Um, and this this year with Jordan Davis, in theory... Those second and threes are going to be second and sevens or second and eights, and hopefully third and long comes next, and then you could you can really pin your ears back with the pass rush. So, well, Jonathan was telling the truth, but Les is right as well yeah. because it changes <laughs> so, uh, your ability to play.
3: I, I guess, and I was trying to talk about this in the first hour, but I mean you can expand on it, John is. Davis might not have, like, you're not going to look at his stats and be like, wow, this guy's made an impact, right? I mean, he might have 20 tackles, if that, all season long. But when you saw him and just immediately, were you like, okay, this guy's making an impact? Like, was it evident that he not only has the size, but the, uh, you know, the skill set and the ability to make an impact? It's one thing to be a big guy, but if you can't do anything out there, okay, you know, but... Did you see right off the bat this guy he has got he's different.
6: Yeah, I mean he 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 he's he's beat a bay with uh edge rushing athleticism. Jeez. That's what he is. as it as an athlete. Um, he can he could stuff everything in a run, but he also has the movement skills of you know really top tier edge rushers. I mean Paul Damovich did something for Jacob Sports where he compares his is his athleticism to the best edge rushers, guys like Miles Garrett and TJ Watt. That's how athletic he is at six foot six and three hundred and forty-five pounds. Crazy. And you guys saw, you guys probably saw some of the highlights that people post of him tying up two blockers and three blockers. Three, right. I and mean, that's three. what I said. You know, people are excited about N'Kobe Dean. He made all these tackles. Same thing as in Georgia. Look in front of him. N'Kobe Dean is undersized. N'Kobe Dean, if Zach Martin ever got to N'Kobe Dean at the second level, it would be ugly. But with Jordan Davis, he can't get to N'Kobe Dean. And that is why Jordan Davis is so important to this defense. But you're right, Mike, he's not going to be a stat guy. And I hope yeah. people are recognize it and don't get upset by that.
3: Yeah, and I ask that because you're there. I mean, you could see the impact in person a little bit differently as opposed to watching on television. Just the sheer size and athlete. and like, does he have football sense? I mean, is this a big guy to just running around has no idea what he's doing, or does he legitimately, you know, know like, hey, stay, keep in my lanes, all that kind of stuff that really separates you from just being a big guy eating up space and a big guy making an impact.
6: No, yeah, he's, he's special from a size standpoint, from an athleticism standpoint. Uh, you know, the more I get to see him every day, I think he should have been a top five pick. He's that dominant. Uh, and the Eagles had to trade up a targeted trade up a little bit. But it's very rare when you have some. It's never I'm from. I mean, they, they've been doing the combine for a long time now. This is this is the best athlete at his size ever at the nfl combine so you add the fact that how well trained he was at georgia the only concern is georgia was so talented uh, he didn't play a lot so he's not used to playing the number of snaps the eagles would want him to play And that part you have to wait and see uh but that'll come I uh, it might you know the conditioning might take a year uh, but it'll, it'll come down the line. He's just not used to it. And, uh, you know, when you play 60 snaps, it's a lot different from 20 uh, where you can go full board.
4: John, I know today uh, was just a walk through tomorrow. They get back to a regular practice and some availability. Then Wednesday they travel. Where do you, where do you stand on these joint practices? I hear the players say that they learn so much in joint practices. Uh, where do you stand on this? And do you think they can really improve the football team when they go to Ohio and have these couple of joint practices? And plus they're two o'clock instead of 10 o'clock in the morning. I don't know if that means a difference or anything. But.
6: Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't. That doesn't make sense from Cleveland. It still gets humid out there. I don't know why they're practicing that. But that's typically, that's what Cleveland, that's when they typically practice. So they're the home team. Uh, Eagles are deferring to that. Um, Yeah, I mean, they love joint practices. um, And they they should because, you know, it was really Doug Peterson who explained it uh, to me very well. Um, and he said, you know, if you want to work on something in the preseason game, you have to hope it happens. And the and the and the natural sort of evolution of the game. If you want to work on third downs or goal line or backed up, you can just script it in practice. So if you're not doing well, um, backed up periods, for instance, the Eagles didn't do well offensively the other day in practice. They could script it against Cleveland, work on it, try to get better at it. Um, And you also have the more controlled environment where you could at least uh, uh, not tackle and and make sure everybody's as healthy as possible. So coaches value, uh, especially with the starters, they value those those controlled joint practices more than the preseason game. And you'll see that because the Eagles, uh, as they did last year, they'll probably give the starters their vast majority of work. Um, in the practices, and they won't play very much at all in the preseason yeah. game. Uh,
3: the last guy that I guess uh, we should make a mention of is Juergens. I mean, he's a second-round pick. He kind of got thrown out there uh, because Kelsey, but uh, he's out there with the starters, and uh, I, I guess he handled himself pretty well.
6: Yeah, he did, um, and, and, and I'm glad they played him more. I You know, I was going back and forth on that all week. Would they pay deference to him as they call him, with the starters and just have the cameo uh because he needs to be ready in case we all assume jason kelsey's going to be there week one and i think it's a pretty safe bet you guys are at the casino i you know if you want to put some money down if you can get that profit um it's a pretty safe bet jason kelsey's going to be there but if you're a, a coach and if you're nick sirianni and shane steichen you got to prepare like he's not going to be there and that means cam jergens has has got to be ready um and he looked he looked really good i think those people saying he looked just as good as kelsey are kind (laughs) of skipping steps but uh you know jason's not on record with the public but he has told people and his close friends on the team, like Lane Johnson, that this is it. This is the last year. So he can always change his mind. Um, but the Eagles are co- kind of going on the assumption that this is going to be his last year. So that's part of the reason they, they drafted what people call a luxury pick, but you know, today's luxury becomes ne- tomorrow's necessity pretty, pretty quick. And that might be all, already happening with cam Jurgens.
3: well uh that was the first one in the books uh, i would imagine john uh we don't see a heck of a lot of these guys uh sunday
6: no i w- i wouldn't imagine if, if last year was any indication they're going to give the vast majority of the starters um of the work in the in the joint practices and it'll be a big reed senate uh carson strong game hopefully you get to see carson strong for those people um yeah some guys have to play some of the we should maybe quez walk and maybe cam jergens because of what just what we said he's got to be ready but the vast majority the same guys you saw play those starter snaps uh they're 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 going to be having an easy night on sunday
3: Uh, Johnny Mac, of course, all over it. Uh, You can check him out tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. on Burge 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel and read all his Eagles coverage at Sports Illustrated, com. Eagles Browns this Sunday at 1 right here on 97.3 ESPN, an old-fashioned Sunday 1 o'clock game. I don't remember the Eagles playing a preseason game any other day other than, like, a Thursday in quite some time. Now yeah, Friday, Those Sundays, they Sunday. That is
6: weird. Yeah, is
3: and weird. Uh, they have a Saturday coming up, too. So no Thursday night ones this year uh, of the three. All right, Johnny, we'll catch up with you tomorrow.
6: All right, thanks, guys.
3: All right, John McMullen here on the Sports Bash. And, PT, when we come back, uh, we talked about some Sixers news. I want to break uh, that news out there, some Sixers news. It ties in with the Eagles a little bit. Eagles, Sixers, ho, ho, ho. We'll get the details coming up. I have another name for you on the other side. I'll give you a chance now to go to our website, 973ESPN.com. You can enter to win a trip to go see the Eagles play in Washington against the Commanders. That game's on September 25th. We're actually uh, closing in on that game. I mean, we're going to be within a month of that game here shortly. And we'll do that on the other side. We'll be live at Garden State Brewery on August 26th, that's a Friday, so we'll be there for the show Friday, and we're going to give away the trip to Washington during that show. You've got to enter on the website, all the details are there, if I call out your name next, you're qualified. It we'll Gets you one step closer to the big prize, Peter, the big like prize,
7: the big prize.
3: Uh, we're live today at the gallery. That's the uh, sports book here at Ocean Casino. And we look forward to uh, seeing people all year long here, right here on Mondays. You can stop out, see us, watch all the games, play. They got table games inside the sports book now. They've got the bar that is now center stage. That is a key. Uh, more on the Eagles with Mosher at 4 o'clock for today's football at 4. Bob Wankel going to talk some fills tonight at five o'clock. Philly's news too, by the way. I don't know if you saw this. I'll break all that coming up on the other side. All all that next here on the Sports Bash. Now back to the.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. ESPN.
3: All right, PT, I got another name for you. You ready? All right,
4: giddy up. Buttercup.
3: Our latest qualifier for the Eagles' road trip down to Washington. We're going to be heading to Washington on September 25th to FedEx Field, and you could be a part of it. Our latest qualifier, it's Andre Grant. Okay. Andre Grant is our latest qualifier. So, Andre Grant, congratulations. You have just entered and qualified for a chance to win an Eagles road trip. Andre Grant, if you know Andre, Let him know he is qualified, and we're going to be live on Friday, August 26th at Garden State Brewery, where their motto is, a beer for everyone. Sounds like a great motto. They've got 16 beers on tap. It's enough variety that everyone can find a style they like. Now, correct me if
4: I'm wrong. Didn't you and I play Seinfeld Trivia there one time?
3: Yeah, and I won, and I still have a gift card.
4: Oh, giddy up. Double times two.
3: You know, it's funny because they have beer for everyone. So, the other night I went to the uh, Tidal Wave concert. Ah, yes. And the area that I had the wristband for. Okay. Okay. They had free uh, beverages. beverages. Fine. But the beverages that they had that <laughs> were offered were not to my liking. Oh, they,
4: they were more of the PT lane or the old PT lane. You know, I, I don't have a lot of beer anymore, unfortunately. But.
3: So, I tried. Yeah. I was like, all right, just give me one. Right? And I tried.
4: Wow, and you couldn't do it?
3: I could not I mean, get through like
4: it. Was tough, it's just like beer-flavored water. It was tough, man. It's not a big deal.
3: It was tough. So I actually found a, a beer that night. It was there was a new beer that I tried because it was funny. I asked the guy, I said, Oh, can I have this? He said, Oh, we don't have any we're out of that one. I said, Well, how about this one? He was out of that. So then I went to my third choice. Right. I actually ended up liking it. You know what's really funny though? What's that? So I went to the bathroom. Okay. I had I was double fisting because oh. it was last call. Oh well you got a clutch. It was last call, so my buddy bought two and he said, Here you go, I got you two, it was last call. I said, Oh thanks. Thanks. So I went to the bathroom and I had the bring the I had the two cans in my hand. Okay. Two so I put them gotcha. on like the the top of the thing. Yeah. And then one went sliding right Uh-oh. off Uh-oh. and right into the toilet. And that was the end of that. Well, uh-huh. I was going to go into You think I was going, no, into, I the we going, going into the toilet to get the beer? It,
4: I, I wanted to put them on top of the urinal to begin with. Anyway. I didn't have
3: any else to put them. No shelf
4: up there? Some of these places put a Yeah, there was up there. a
3: shelf. I put the beers on like the where like you pull like the napkin, or like the toilet paper. Oh, and that was it. So it, it was like on a little incline, and it just started sliding, <laughs> and in slow motion, I saw the beer go right into the toilet, and I was like... Uh, and did you yell out? Well, that no! one's done. Oh,
4: did you yell out? Did you start crying? Oh, it was bit?
3: just like, no! No! And uh, I mean, it was like nine bucks for that beer. I said, "That's nine bucks down the toilet, That's literally right. That's down right. the toilet, literally
4: down the drain." Oh yeah. man, I'm sorry to hear that. MJ. So
3: uh, last night I saw that the Sixers are going to be playing on Christmas Day again. It'll be the first time in two years now it seemed like they were always playing on christmas day for those three years there right and then they haven't been on the last two years because the sixers weren't the cool team anymore when ben and Joel started to get a little older it was like ah, we don't really need them on christmas day well now they're back they're playing christmas day and it looks like they're going to play the Knicks Ooh. in New York.
4: Oh, that sounds awesome, man. That, that's a lot of fun. Listen, I don't know if you've been up to see, like, you know, the Rockefeller Tree and done, like, the running of the Santas or any of that stuff. Like, there was one time I actually missed. I was, I'd had a little bit too many beers. I missed a, uh, a transport up to New York City around the holidays. And so the guy jumped in my car, and we drove. Like morons, we drove. And it's the only time in my life I've ever driven around downtown Manhattan, right? And I'm driving in my car. And I was scared, Mike, and I found out later it was the running of the Santas, some big – this is all pre-pandemic, but some big drunk fest they have up there, like a Santa bar crawl, and it was the holidays, and it was the Rockefeller tree, and it was all those things that go with it. And I'll never do it again. I'll never drive in Manhattan ever again.
3: I'm not doing that.
4: But I'll go see the Knicks and the Sixers.
3: All right, well, so you got the Knicks and Sixers on Christmas Day, and I would imagine that's going to be – I would imagine that'll be like an earlier game, like a 2 o'clock game maybe. Right. Or noon. Do they start them at noon? They have a noon, a 2. Like they do them like stagger them like every two yeah, hours, yeah. something to that effect, right? Okay. But the Sixers play a Christmas day. The Eagles play Christmas Eve. Yeah. So you have Eagles, Cowboys, Christmas Eve, Sixers, Knicks on Christmas Day. I mean, this could be a, a really epic holiday, P.T. Sounds like a win to me,
4: man. I I, I love when they put stuff like that. Uh, you know, even... Remember a couple of years ago when the Eagles played on Thanksgiving night? I thought that mm-hmm. was awesome. Yeah. You know, I'm down with that,
3: too. Well, there's always a discussion about, like, whether or not you like when your team plays on, on the actual holiday. Because, you know, there's some people who travel or have family in and, like, you're distracted.
4: Just schedule it around, man. I mean, the, all it takes is a little planning. Well, thanks- uh, I think... There's an equal number of people that want to get away from their family. Well, that's what they, after the, night game, time with them. the them.
3: night game, the Thanksgiving night game is the one where you're like, okay, if the Eagles play Thanksgiving like the day game is a little tougher. Yeah, I would agree. Because you're with that. eating a lot yeah. of people eat Thanksgiving dinner at like two or three o'clock. Yeah, where do you eat it? You eat it later? No, like two or three o'clock. Yeah, so, yeah. and I always call. I'll do the Holy Spirit Atlantic City game for as long as it's on Thanksgiving. I don't have right. any more years that's going to be. A a. That's a
4: ten a.m. That's
3: a ten a.m. Yeah. So I'll. I'll get to the Detroit game, but I usually miss like the first quarter or so but by the time I get home. So if the Eagles are playing that game I wouldn't be thrilled. Right. And then the Cowboy game comes on after when you're starting to eat. Yeah, there was a number of
4: Thanksgivings, I mean 22 or 23 of them in a row that I wasn't having the traditional Thanksgiving
3: cuz I was working. I had to I've called know, a Thanksgiving football day game. football game since 2000 and
4: yeah, but you still got to go home after that. I mean, you did the game and you were home by 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock. Right, but I, I'm I talking about. a 6 o'clock show or a 10 o'clock show or whatever.
3: Right, I'm talking about because Wednesday night before Thanksgiving is generally a pretty, uh, you know, big night out. Uh, yeah, and that and was I've never been out on right, that the, night. The
4: largest uh, drinking night of the year, they say, right?
3: Yeah, I've never really gone out on that night because I've always got to get up to do that game the next day. But then, you know, I miss a little bit of that Lions game and then you're eating during the Cowboy right, game a lot. right. When they did that night game is when it started to be like okay now Christmas this, this Eve is, what is another I can settle one. Settle in and watch. Christmas Eve is another one. Yeah. where people typically do stuff on Christmas Eve. They do. The Eagles are playing know, on Christmas Eve this year.
4: Right. You get to open one present after midnight or something like that, or or maybe you're going to a midnight mass or a midnight service or something like that. I I understand all that. The Eagles know?
3: play a, a one o'clock game. I'm pretty sure. One, uh, it might be a four twenty five game against. If it's in Dallas, it's in Dallas. I would imagine if the game's at Dallas, it's probably a 425 game on Christmas Eve. I'm efforting. And then the Sixers play Christmas Day at 2 o'clock. No, the time is not out yet for the Sixer game. Okay. So... I don't know if what time. You
4: think two, but it could be noon, noon, three. Well, there's like five yeah. games.
3: They got released yesterday, which games are going to be. There's like
4: 425 is that Dallas game. All right, so you're going to yeah. get
3: 425 on the Eagle game on Christmas ah, Eve.
4: That ruins a lot of plans to go to the early mass. Like if you want to – if, if you are if you got young kids or something like that, if you want to be going to a church service, like a 6 o'clock service, you can't be going to that if the ball game – kicks off at 4 30 yeah you, you got priorities uh, The heck with you jc we're watching the
3: eagles <laughs> 609-403-0973 609-403-0973 sports bash is live here at uh, the gallery bar book and games now pt the people from ocean just contacted me okay and we're going to be giving away three more pairs of tickets to the Russell Peters show. All right, We just got three pairs of tickets to the Russell Peters Accurate. This is a great uh, Mm -hmm. uh, comedian for you. Accurate, PT. The Accurate World Tour. So, we'll do that coming up in just a little bit. Carlin, we'll do that coming up in just a little bit. We will uh, give away those tickets. I've also got another name. And we're going to enter people for the Eagles road trip. So what I'm going to do right now, give me caller number 7, 609-403, excuse me, 609-573-3776. Caller number 7 is entered for the Eagles road trip. We're going to take caller 7. We're going to start entering people both online and on the phone now. Once an hour on the phone, caller 7, 609 573 3776 609 573 Eagles Road Trip with Philly Sports Trips. Check out the full trip lineup at phillysportstrips.com. Caller 7 right now. You're entered for the Eagles Road Trip. It's Mike and Pete live here at the Gallery Bar Book and Games, Ocean Casino Resort, Atlantic City.
8: Now, back to Morse.
1: On 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader.
3: City, congratulations, Jim. He was caller number seven. He's qualified with Andre Grant, who was our three o'clock hour qualifier, Anthony Rando back in the two o'clock hour. They all have a chance to win an Eagles road trip thanks to Philly Sports Trips and Garden State Brewery. We'll be registering next hour if you're interested in going. You gotta enter at 973espn.com. We're also, by the way, we got a trade. The Eagles are trading JJR Snego Whiteside to the Seahawks for defensive back Hugo Amadi per Jeff McLean. Okay. Hugo
4: Amati. Yep. Hmm. I don't know anything about Hugo Amati. Sounds like go the car that was not a very good car back in the 80s. Well, J. You J. had a Hugo, you were no
3: good. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside's <laughs> disappointing tenure in Philadelphia has unmercifully come to an end. I right. mean, he had changed a tight end this year, and I honestly, this is the first I've heard his name at all. Yeah, I mean,
4: that, probably the first reaction is, that guy was still on the team. Seriously.
1: You know?
4: So they got something for
1: him. Who knows uh, what it is. That's
3: debatable. Four tires and a wheel. That's It's <laughs> like... The Eagles are treating defensive backs like Sam Henke to t- treat it second-round pick. Just keep, like, hoarding them and taking them, and maybe one of these guys could actually play. But J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, a second-round pick, he'll always be remembered uh, for the guy. And it's not fair that they drafted instead of D.K. Metcalf. But right. I mean, that's what he'll be remembered for. But, the, for, but people, conveniently, right, people conveniently yeah. leave out that... DK Metcalf had a medical red flag. He was, un- he was deemed undraftable not by the scouting department, by the medical team.
4: Right. And that, and that was the kiss per, per, of death, if they will. By the way, the Yugo is known as the worst car ever. Cheap, not constructed well, did not fare well in crashes, fuel efficiency extremely poor. Is it like Fred Flintstone's uh, vehicle? I, I think this was before your time, the Yugo. You know when it came out, but it, it's it's literally considered the worst car in history. Nineteen eighty to yeah, 80, 80 to like eighty nine, and by then they just fell off the face of the planet.
3: Did you ever? Do you remember Scrap the? Heaps. Do you remember the Saturn? Well,
4: I remember the Saturns. Yeah. You know, they were
8: hot. My my buddy a had a Saturn and it got stolen. <laughs>
4: No,
3: it got stolen. That's funny. Yeah. So, uh,
4: what, what car did you take your driver's license tested? Do you remember that? I'd be curious to. Uh, and did you drive stick? Did no. You have to learn how to drive stick.
3: I've I've only tried to drive stick once, and and there's a story attached. I remember to that one. I yeah. think
4: you've told me that story before. I mean, I was a Valley Parker, so I had to drive among the many jobs that I've had in my life: golf caddy, newspaper delivery boy valet parker here's my keys kid don't you know not like ferris bueller i didn't take off in the cars yeah. either that wasn't that wasn't my job but uh yeah i had to learn how to drive i took my driver's test on a chevy chevette that had uh it was called power assist it didn't even have power steering you had to like grab the wheel and like really turn it to, yeah. like and part of the test was you had to parallel park sure with this car that didn't have power steering didn't have power brakes and you know
3: I'm God. trying to remember. I don't even remember what car I drove for my driving test. I mean, I didn't have my own car. Right. I didn't get my own car until. But it wasn't. A, it was a probably
4: a family car. I mean, yeah. did you have to take driving lessons at all, or did you do it in school?
3: Uh, no, I took driving lessons
4: in, in from like a private. Yeah. <laughs> so you'll like this. The guy that was my private driving instructor, he was a large gentleman who only wanted to go through all the drive-thrus. So pretty soon I learned all the fast food ra- and flea markets. So my dad would be like, well, where did you drive today? And I'd be like, we went to this flea market, we went to this flea market, we went to Long John Silver's, we went to Burger King, we went to McDonald's, Like we were at every fast food joint at every flea market. Um, I think that guy died of a heart attack.
3: I'm sure that's not surprising My to driving uh, instructor at the time, he was the football coach at Atlantic High. Is that right? Yeah.
4: Oh, I know that guy.
3: Yeah, so... Uh... Was he uh, intense as a driving instructor too? I, you know what? I don't really remember the whole like uh, man. My memory is not very good.
4: Well, it's a Monday,
3: and you, right, exactly.
4: You socialized.
3: I more than I did. Don't recall what car I drove to you get to get my driving test, but I, I know I didn't have my own car until did you pass
4: on the first yeah. attempt.
3: Okay, yeah, but like I turned. Se- I'm a January birthday, so I turned like seventeen. Now kids are driving at 16 if they have, like, someone in the car with them. Right. We didn't, we, I don't remember doing that at all.
4: Uh, I drove, I, I had to, you know, and there's a story with it, but my birthday is January as well, 16th. But I didn't get my license till
3: February 16th. Yeah, it took me a while to get my actual license.
4: That was per discipline from my father. I got in trouble, okay, so I wasn't allowed to go. I had my permit, but the night I got my driver's license, I was driving with my buddy Kevin, And I remember we made a right turn up a guy's driveway that had a stone wall that went the whole way up the driveway. And I said to Kevin, am I clear? And he said, yeah. And so I turned and I heard crunch. (laughs) And I thought, oh, bleep. Right? (laughs) And I said... Is that the door scraping on the wall? And he goes, yeah. And I go, what do I do? And he's nice. like, go forward. So I hit the gas, which only made the scrape longer on the door.
3: Eh, that's a shame.
4: Yeah, that's PT. That's how I learned how to drive. Okay, so uh,
3: Ugo Armadi is a safety. was a fourth-round pick drafted by Ugo. the Seahawks. And um, he was uh, actually a guy who's actually played a little bit, like not just some rando guy. That has not played at all. He's 125 career tackles, two force fumbles, an interception, 13 pass breakups. So just adding some more depth. He was a fourth round pick in the 2019 draft by Seattle. His so it uh,
4: turns into something how he strikes again,
3: right? Well, apparently, according to Jeff Mosher, who's going to join us on the other side, Mosher had heard this morning that Howley was calling other teams regarding J.J. white Whiteside, seeing if he could find a taker. They found a a player that can play safety. And you wonder that that's the end of Kayvon Wallace this time in Philadelphia. He was a fourth-round pick. They trade now for a fourth-round pick. So we'll get you uh, the details on the trade. We'll get Mosher's thoughts on the Eagles from Friday night. That's next. Football at 4 on the way. 97.3
1: ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four with Jeff Mosier. I
0: think our track record in the last 20 years, how many NFC's titles, playoff appearances, and appearances in the NFC Championship game, those are some of the metrics I look at, and um, I'll compare our record with uh, almost
6: anybody.
1: Powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Now, live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios. This is Football at Four.
3: And Football at Four is powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Get your game on at the Gallery Bar Book and Games at Ocean Casino Resort. This football season, we're live here today at Ocean inside the Gallery Bar Book and Games. You can stop out every Monday and see us live for the football season. Go to Gallery in Ocean Casino Resort, and go for the win. For more information, visit OceanAC.com. Must be 21 or older to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll give away tickets uh, to the Russell Peters Accurate Age World Tour. That's coming to Ocean on August 20th, so we'll have that for you. Uh, we'll give away those tickets this hour. Right now, it's footballer for Jeff Mosher from Inside the Birds podcast. And InsideTheBirds.com is stopping by to give us some thoughts on what he saw on Friday night and I guess uh, some insight on this trade that just went down. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside is heading to Seattle for safety. Ugo Amadi, and uh, it looked like Amadi was going to get waived by Seattle, and I guess uh, um, you had uh, Howie Rosen make a call real quick and say, hey, we've got some garbage. If you want ours, we'll take yours. Uh, what is uh, What's the deal here, Jeff Mosher? What do you know?
7: Yeah, basically you nailed it on the head there. Um it's funny, Adam Kaplan and I had spoke this morning. Adam said, You'll never guess what's going on. I I'm I heard from another team that Howie was calling uh he said he, he had heard that Howie was calling looking to trade uh JJR Ar- was Arthaga Whiteside. And I said, For what? <laughs> you know, who was gonna take him? And then I wound up talking to a, a different team than Adam and um the person I spoke to said he had heard through the grapevine the same thing that Howie was calling around. So, uh, here, it, here, it, and it's, and it's not that odd of a trade in the, in the fact that we've seen these kind of moves before from other teams and from the Eagles. I, I still remember, I'm sure there's a more recent example, but I remember when they traded a running back, David Flewellen for a kicker, Cody Parkey and Parkey yep. actually wound up having a pretty good year for them. I remember when they traded, um, who was it that they traded? They they got the, the 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 pass rusher from BC who was like a second round pick once Landry. Remember that Eli or Harold Harold Landry? Does that sound right? Eli Harold. That's the one. Eli Harold from Boston College. This was like a a year or two ago. I forget who they traded for him, but um, it was you know it was sort of like yeah. I'm going to wave this guy, you're going to wave that guy. Maybe it works out for me. Maybe it works out for you, and we'll see what happens. I, I mean, I you would imagine if the Eagles were going to make this kind of a trade, it would only be. For either a safety or a tight end, the two positions where they're they're thin at.
3: Yeah, I, I did see somebody tweet the other night. I, I don't remember who it was, but like, hey, this second week of uh, of um, the exhibition season has traditionally been when player-for-player trades kind of happen so that you can get them into your, you know, camp or to your possession for the the next couple of games, so that happens today. Now, I don't know how much uh, background you have on Ugi Amadi, but he is a safety who has experience. He's not one of these guys that has very little experience. He has played the last two years in Seattle and, and has actually, you know, got some playing time. It's not like he's been a guy on the practice squad. Uh, so he seems a little bit more valuable than what J.J. Ortega-Whiteside has given you.
7: Yeah, he played 55% of the defensive snaps last year, uh, 54% two years ago. So you're right, He technically he has contributed more to his team than J.J. Ortega-Whiteside was contributing to the Eagles. Now you'd have to go back is back and look, is he contributing positively? Because certainly teams that struggle in Seattle has the last year, year and a half, are, are putting players on the field that aren't necessarily good players. So he the bottom line is this. The Eagles have Marcus Epps. He is their best coverage safety. You can make an argument, and it's yet to be seen because he has to play a full year, that he is their best safety. Anthony Harris is just okay. Uh, Jaworski Tart was brought in here to compete. He's been a a slow to learn the defense, b away from the team, and up until recently for personal reasons. So he's not on a lock to make the team at all. Kavan Wallace has been a disappointment. The, up to today, their their biggest sort of like surprise or or good story in safety outside of Marcus Epps is Reed Blankenship, right. who's a, a rookie free agent from Middle Tennessee State. So this is clear, and of course, Josiah Scott, as we talked about last week, is a guy who can play safety and has has moved from uh playing corner to also playing safety you saw that in the preseason game the other night against the jets and he would make the team right now if the roster was decided today so this was a smart area for howie to say i'll just take a body that's got some experience and see if it works
3: yeah and so you know bringing a safety as you just mentioned that's probably i don't know after watching friday night where uh is a spot that they have more questions maybe than the safety spot
7: it's so funny. I was talking to another team today that's just trying to get a feel for what the Eagles are doing, you know, and uh, as as it relates to um, this person's own team, and, you know, he, the the question was, where, where would the Eagles be looking to upgrade outside safety? And I said, well, really, outside of that, just number three tight end and big running back. That That's really it, and you don't have to go and make moves to upgrade those positions. Those are kind of positions that when the waiver wire cutdowns happen, the last one and you see all these guys who are now unemployed that are veterans that have some experience and you can you can take a chance on and so those you don't necessarily have to go out there and look to make a trade to upgrade it
3: all right most so let's look back to uh friday night and get some
7: thoughts from you
3: you wrote about it over at insidethebirds.com let's start on offense and hurts uh we, we've been kind of uh, laughing that hey uh you know sam bradford had that 10 for 10 night he had the perfect rating and everybody went crazy uh was this reminiscent of that night was was Jalen Hurts about as good as you can anticipate that night
7: uh, Jalen Hurts was good he spread the ball around you know the whole narrative leading up to the game was uh, all he does is target A.J. Brown so I thought it was pretty fascinating that he got zero targets to A.J. Brown in that series um the Jets play a, a cover three pretty reminiscent of what San Francisco did when Robert Sala was there Uh, And they kind of stayed true to that. So they played a lot of seven-man box, leaving you know more people up front and less people in coverage. And I think the Eagles took advantage of it. Maybe they thought the Eagles were going to run a lot like last year, or maybe they were just working on their base defense. I I don't know, but I thought Jalen was decisive, spread the ball around, made good throws. When you you play a cover three team that's only going to play one safety deep, you like to work the seams. So you notice Dallas Goddard caught that touchdown pass that was down the left seam jake jack stole six yarder down the seam uh, watkins taught it Caught one of his passes right around the seam area to move the chain so that was a good job by jalen kind of understanding what the defensive structure was and how to attack it uh there are a couple of things that i thought could have been better i did you know he he rolled out and took that hit the hit's not his fault but in my view there was not pressure there the way he said there was lane johnson was blocking jermaine johnson the pocket got pushed a little bit on the right side He could have stepped up. He didn't have to roll completely out and then obviously go out of bounds. Um, But, you know, other than that, no, no real complaints there. You know, Miles Sanders caught both of the balls thrown his way. I think that was a good positive, too.
4: Jeff Mosher with us. And, Jeff, you know, the the verticality of the offense, the last memory in a meaningful game is of the Buccaneers stopping the run and daring Jalen Hurts to beat them with the throw. And then you get in this preseason game. Again, the defense dictates it. But was there something there that you saw on his throws that made you think maybe he's turned a corner and become more improved in his accuracy?
7: Well, one thing that I thought, he did really well on the first play of the game. There was pressure. Sua Opeta let uh, Quinn and Williams get inside him. That flushed Jalen out to the right. And I thought he did an excellent job of keeping his eyes downfield, watching Watkins cross from left to right. Then he set his feet to make the throw. To, to me, that's that's it with him, is that when he sets his feet to make a throw, he can make any throw. That's not the question. And the, question, the problem is... And every quarterback in the NFL faces this dilemma. Not all of your throws are you able to make with your feet set. So sometimes you have to, you know, you don't have to be a running quarterback. You can be Tom Brady, for example, who does a great job of just stepping up into a dirty pocket to buy some time and then resetting his feet. Others, like Aaron Rodgers, throw the ball. No matter, they could be running backwards and they throw the ball really, really well. He's not like that. He needs to have his feet set. And uh, I thought for the most part in that game, he did that.
4: And I think the narrative might be out there, Jeff, that he's better to the right than to the left. And, of course, the dreaded if he's, you know, don't throw across your body or don't throw back across the field. But do you see that? Is he
7: better rolling to the right and throwing than to the left? No, I mean, he wouldn't be the first right-handed quarterback to do a better job of, you know, rolling to his dominant hand side as opposed to, like you said, rolling to the left and then trying to throw to the right side of the field. But that's, yeah, so I agree with you. But I think that's kind of a common thing on, on quarterbacks where they roll out.
3: Yeah, Jeff, and, you know, the offense uh, the other night, I, you mentioned Hurts. Uh, uh, Reed Sinet, his name came up a lot, and uh, you wonder, he got an extended look. Uh, I guess he didn't really make anybody uh, think twice that there's a competition at all between him and Gardner Minshew, but uh, uh, I guess him and Strong would be the two guys. We didn't see Strong at all. I would imagine you'll see him this week coming up, but I guess for all the, you know, plus you heard about Sinet, I, I don't know that he uh, really... Did anything to make anybody feel like, wow, if he had a play, we'd be in good shape.
7: Yeah, and I'm not sure his head coach helped him out any, even though he was trying to, by saying he might have been a little bit nervous for the game. That's like the last thing anybody wants to hear that a guy right. is nervous for a preseason game, you know? So, I mean, it's not like he didn't play college football or anything like that. So I know yeah. Nick was trying to be helpful, but I don't think that really was. But it was definitely not a, you know, for all we had heard about. Reed Sinet throughout the offseason. That was definitely not indicative of what we had heard. Um, but it did show you that he's far, far and away above Carson Strong in the competition by the fact that Carson Strong didn't get out there. Part of me wonders, guys, because you have to remember they gave Carson Strong almost like, I think, what, 300,000, 375,000 money and guaranteed. They give him more guaranteed money than you would ordinarily give a rookie free agent. So part of me wonders if they have a plan to try to waive him and then get him back on the practice squad. Anybody who has to claim him would have to pay that guaranteed money, which a team might be willing to do if you see him play pretty well in the preseason. So something makes me wonder, knowing that he's already struggling, if they're just hiding him. Sort of don't play him that much. Don't put a lot of tape out there of Carson Strong. Let everybody think that he's not doing well, which Mm -hmm. is true right now. He's not. And therefore, we don't have to worry about a team trying to claim him off the waivers when we waive him at the cutdown date.
3: Yeah, and then uh, I guess another guy, rookie, would be Jerkins, who kind of got thrown into this uh, mix pretty quickly. Hey, you're starting, by the way. Get on out there. And I guess the reviews for him, unlike Sinet, were pretty positive.
7: Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, again, I, I I wouldn't compare him to Jason Kelsey, but... They, they, they have similar traits. Good athletes can move laterally, can move up and down quickly. You know, you saw him get out on one of the screens and cover up a linebacker driving back. I thought he was good in pass protection um, in the run. Well, they didn't run the ball at all, but I mean, they, he was just active. Uh, yeah, They ran uh, when, when uh, the second string came on. So very active. I didn't see him allow too many pressures, but I did see him being able to get his man, especially up in the second level. And that's what you look for at that position.
4: We predicted that we'd see a lot of Huntley. We saw a lot of Huntley. I mean, uh, what did he show you in that
1: game, Jeff Mosher? Sure.
7: I think Huntley is probably going to remember that game for the rest of his life. I mean, he probably got more carries that game than in his entire career so far total because they were so down, right? They didn't have Kenneth Gamewell. They didn't have Boston Scott. Miles Sanders, you knew, was only going to play the first few snaps. And then they had just signed a running back like two days before that. They weren't going to throw him on the field for, I think he played special teams only, the kid that they signed. So, yeah, Huntley got a, a lot of run. I, look, I think he's got a lot of straight line speed. I don't know that he makes people miss, um, you know, when he has the ball in his hand. I think he's, you know, more of sometimes tends to be east-west than north-south, like a lot of smaller running backs. Uh, you know, do I think he's going to make the team? No, I don't think he'll make the 53. I think he's got a chance to be back on the practice squad. Um uh, I just think he's you know you get a lot of running backs that can do what he what he can do. He right. did catch the ball, okay. So they I got no issue with that.
3: They did mention you you just mentioned Carson Strong that they gave him you know some they decent did. money, and I feel like they did that to a couple of their undrafted guys. They mentioned during the broadcast that Kennedy Brooks was another guy that they gave decent money to, and you know I don't know that he showed all that much either, but he is one of the bigger backs that they have of, of the group of guys they currently have. <laughs>
7: One of the or the only,
3: <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I guess and, uh, and so. Diet, if he's got know. a shot to make it, it's because of that. But and again, you just mentioned they didn't run the ball all that much, at least with the with the first unit out there.
7: Right, right. I mean, look, I think they're keeping three running backs. I think we all know who the three are. It's going to be Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott. Right. Probably stash one or two more if on they the need practice one, right. squad. Right. If they need one, I just that, that's all I see. I think Kennedy Brooks is probably, you know, at best, going to be on the practice squad. At worst, unemployed.
3: Uh, let's flip over to the defense. A lot of people really raving about what they saw from Jordan Davis. And I guess, you know, your first look at him in live action on the field, uh, he certainly made an impact, not statistically speaking, but uh, the tape shows that he was a problem for the Jets.
7: It's exactly what I wrote. That he is going to be a guy who can make an impact, but you're not going to box score scout him. You're not going to be like, oh, look at all the hurries and pressures and and uh, sacks that he got. No, it's not going to be like that. He got a, I I believe it was his pressure initially that led Zach Wilson to leave that pocket on that scramble where Zach got hurt Mm -hmm. uh, with the knee injury. Um, There are times where you see multiple. Offensive lineman trying to block him. There was, there was one to snap where the center, uh, I think he's a Penn State guy, McGovern, was it, who who just completely could not block him. I mean, he was getting getting driven back. So, I mean, that's the type of player he's going to be. The biggest question you, you have with him is can he – I don't know what their expectation is for him for snaps per game. And, and I, I can't imagine he's going to be anything other than a first and second down player to begin with against the run. But can he kind of maintain – the pay, Can he maintain the level of play when he's playing for four quarters at that size? Right? I mean, it's all good when you get out there with the first team and you can push some guys around for two minutes. But when you start running you left and they start running your right, do you lose your pad level? Do you lose your technique? Do you, can you chase down? You saw him chasing down Zach Wilson even after that pressure. Can he do that in the second, in the third, and in the fourth quarter? That That is going to be a challenge for him early on. Yes.
3: Yeah. Jeff, Jeff, he was bringing guys side to side with him. I mean, they, the running back was trying sure. to get around him, and he just couldn't do it.
7: Yeah, no, he's – I mean, you could see how he's a good two-gap player. I mean, he's literally got the guy in front of him going left, right. Like, just – he's moving the defender around like a ragdoll saying, <laughs> yeah. I got this side of the A-gap covered. I got that side of the A-gap covered. I'm all good here. But, um, you know, and then and I saw so I, – so he'll open up things – for the guys on the defensive line. He'll be an important player. Just makes you want but but you hope that he can as the season goes on be a guy who's also hoping out in the fourth quarter, not just the first quarter. first quarter. Right.
4: Conditioning. Jeff Mosher with us talking about Jordan Davis a little bit and, and that trickle-down effect, if you will, Jeff, too, I mean, because we saw one sequence there where it looked like a Georgia play all over again. Uh, Jordan Davis, Nicobe Dean sort of working in tandem, working in concert together to make sure that, you know, they bring the guy down and Nicobe Dean uh, showed me more than I, I actually expected. I, I thought he flashed a little bit in that game. I'm curious what your thoughts were of him and, of course, White had the big play there because uh, White uh, picking off Zach Wilson uh, that got everybody excited early
7: listen this is what the Eagles linebackers need to do I mean uh, th- there's no qu- defense in general they've got to create turnovers they did not do a very good job of that last year the year before and in order to be a top defense you got to be a takeaway defense so well I will say the quarterback what well, was a Wilson who just kind of threw yeah. it to Kazir white right at least he them. caught it because we've seen a lot of <laughs> we've seen a lot of those uh just get dropped so that was good. And I thought Nicoby Dean had about five tackles, and he only played a quarter. So that was, yeah. you know, for projecting it, there, it's like 20 tackles on a game. Right. There's a, a couple of times, ta- you know, I know there's a, a play that sort of made the rounds on on Twitter where the tight end tries to trap Black up the middle, and he just pushes the guy right back, uh, and then it trips up the running back. So that was a good play there. So, so I thought he played okay. You know, I think it's, it's really hard to evaluate some guy on so, so few snaps, but I thought he was pretty good. He's all right. One of
4: the, one of the things Gil and I brought up earlier in the show is that at one point, you know, you used to think like the Eagles were so thin at linebacker. Now there's almost a surplus there.
7: Yeah, they have they, yeah. We, we have to see like exactly how good these guys are. You know, they they got to break the streak, Pete, uh, that they've had here of the one year yes. linebacker who turns out to be a kind of a dud, right? And it's not yes. just linebacker; it's almost like linebacker slash safety. You can go back to like. Corey Nelson and Will Parks and, uh, you know, last year was supposed to be that guy from San Diego and he just retired, Jatavius White. And then Eric, oh, no, no, that was two years ago. Last year was uh, the guy from Minnesota, Eric Wilson, who they released halfway through the year. They really have done a bad job trying to do the one-year stopgap thing. And so you got to hope because your white is different in that regard and and can end it. But until I kind of see it, I'm going to always say, yeah, they got numbers now. They're a little bit better on paper now. But let's, let's see it actually materialize. But T.J. Edwards had a great camp. So if right. they can't knock him out of first team, then at least you can say T.J. Edwards has been playing well for them.
4: I was worried you were going to bring up either the Bradleys, Stewart, or Sean. I mean, either one of those would have been bad.
7: Oh, man. that was Well, Stewart was a long, long time. Those guys were actually like... Draft picks. I was talking about their more <laughs> like their one-year free agent stopgap signings.
4: <laughs> One-hit wonders. <laughs> well, okay. yeah. uh, Ernie spot. Sims
7: would fall more into that category. Ernie Sims yeah. would, would definitely be one of those.
3: Well, the linebacker Tichio spot spikes. definitely has talent as opposed to where you're watching guys who, you know, I give uh, Alex Singleton a bunch of credit, but my gosh, I mean, He started way too many games for this team the last couple of years. Mike,
7: Nate Gary started games for this team. (laughs) Yes, Nate Gary, another (laughs) lousy
3: Nebraska kid. Uh, Hey,
7: now. (laughs) uh, All
3: right, uh, we've got uh, the Inside the Birds guys, of course, every day, football at four all this week, getting you ready for the Eagles and Browns. What are some of the things uh, to look for this week? Because obviously a lot of starters might not play, so we'll get more intel from the guys from Inside the Birds tomorrow. Jordan, football at four. Adam Kaplan is here. He's going to be in uh, Cleveland, by the way. Uh, for the game on Sunday. So we'll have his reporting on Friday at 5 for football at 4. He will join us from uh, Cleveland at 5 o'clock on Friday during football at 4. He'll be here tomorrow. Motion's back Wednesday, bud. All right, we'll talk to you then.
7: All right, Mike. Take care. See you, Pete. All right, take We care, are Jack.
3: live. At the gallery, bar, book, and games here at Ocean Casino Resort. That's where we are every Monday, and you can stop out and see us. And by the way, PT, yes. Philly's lineup is in. And your thoughts? There's somebody missing from it. Uh, Stott, Hoskins, Bohm is the DH today. Okay. Real Muto, Castellanos, Segura, Sosa, Marsh, Fearling, Syndergaard on the mound. you got uh, two productive bats missing one of them is Schwarber yeah still no Schwarber is the one I was talking about and the other one is Hall so you're now missing not only Schwarber the left-handed bat you're missing Hall another productive hitter because they're facing a left-handed pitcher today
4: Mundo Sosa getting that start at third right
3: Yep, they're going to give Bohm a day off in the field. Sosa's getting a start, so uh, they're back into the lineup. Sosa, Marsh, Beerling. Jeez, <laughs> Buzz, your girlfriend. Woof. <laughs> uh, we got headlines on the other side. We're live, and of course, I got another name I'm going to be calling out here in just a couple of moments. So, go to our website right now, 973ESPN.com, and enter, put your name in the hat, and if I call your name, you have a chance to win an Eagles road trip to Washington to see the birds at FedEx field on September 25th. That's coming up next.
8: Now back to Morse for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts. So you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by.
9: Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: On 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader.
3: All right, Sports fast Live, 97.3 ESPN. I got another name, PT. You ready? Yeah. Winner, right? Winner, winner, qualifier. (laughs) There you go. Craig Essig. Craig Essig is our latest qualifier. So, Craig, he'll be live, or he better be if he wants to go to Washington to win that trip. At Garden State Brewery in Apsekin, their motto is a beer for everyone. 16 beers on tap means there's enough variety that almost everyone can find a style of beer that they like. They're open daily so everyone can come enjoy their favorite beers. Garden State's also about supporting local. They use fresh local ingredients from other small local businesses because their tasting room is so large, they've evolved into a fundraising mecca for the community. Contact them today at 609-232-BEER for your next fundraising party. And the trip is courtesy of Philly Sports Trips. Check out the full trip lineup right now at phillysportstrips.com. They're going to Washington, but they're going to all the road games. I think you can, any road game you want to go to, Philly Sports Trips is Philly going. Sports Trips is the way to go, man. I, I did a little
4: research on them even before I knew we were in the contest with them, and I was like, this is where it's at. I mean, they, they do it right.
3: So let's take a look at some of the headlines. Josh, what do you got for us today to kind of chew on? Is uh, By the way, they got the, the NBA Finals. What year is this? This is like LeBron and the Cavs up against cleveland david blatt was the coach for cleveland so what's that like five years ago six years ago this is the first year when they lost i think series is tied 2-2 right
2: now young lebron
4: yeah with all his hair and no bald spot in the back yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i shouldn't be one talking about bald spots though
2: i'm just trying to figure out what channel you guys have on in there uh, well, we got about all forty. We've
3: got forty <laughs> different TVs. So, I mean, you got to fill up all of them with something. Like, not many of them have the same thing on.
4: I believe that's NBA TV, Josh. Yeah, I that would he's imagine. Looking at,
3: that's so, NBA yeah. TV over there. There's Tennis oh.
4: channel is on. Some uh, there's a baseball game on. Yeah, the sites
2: are great out here, Josh. So you got some variety over there.
3: Right? Yeah. yeah, they've got uh, you know ESPN, ESPN two, ESPN U. You know, uh, what's that over there? That looks like the USA Network. There's a soccer game on. There was a hockey game on earlier.
4: Right, Latvia. Go Latvia. Who knew? That was on uh, TSN out of Canada.
3: I think we counted 40 TVs, and, like, I mean, some of these screens are, like, (laughs) I mean, monster screens. So. It's uh it's well set up in this joint.
4: Here's your headline. Can I I, I put my bet down?
3: Yeah, PT put 50 bucks on the Eagles to win the Super Bowl.
4: What do you think of that, Josh?
3: Why? 2500. <laughs>
4: Josh, I'm supporting the venue where I'm working. I I think it's important to place a There's a lot more. of bets you can make, P, but why that one? Well, because, everybody does that. Uh, when
3: they go to Vegas, it's uh, like, "Hey, let me put 50 bucks right, on my favorite team." I'm a
4: dreamer, you know? I mean, yeah. the way that's so- plus 1300 bucks would be to pay out that'd be
2: nice i got no
3: problem with that dreamer
2: is that you know, song from the month? he probably,
3: probably would have given you the same reaction and response if you said in 2017 hey i put 50 bucks on the eagles to win the Super Bowl," and he would that's have said correct why right. Right.
4: why what are you crazy and then at the
3: end of the day <laughs> you would have said that's why yeah i like i knew le blunt was gonna
4: come in and be the difference maker give me a break <laughs> it's, it's 50 bucks
2: Oh, All right. Well, I got I got two college football, well, actually three college football stories. But I'll start with the one that's right in Mike's house, which is broadcasting. I know Mike, you do a lot of that stuff with the announcer broadcast. Your new MBC duo for calling the Notre Dame games this college football season will be Jack Collingsworth alongside Jason Garrett. So they found a home. For Garrett at NBC, according to Andrew Marshan, Garrett and Collingsworth will call all the NBC Notre Dame games and Garrett will continue with Jack to be a part of Football Night in America. So the younger Collinsworth and the redheaded former college, sorry, the former Cowboys head coach are both going to be doing double duty each weekend.
3: Now, those two worked together on the uh, USFL games. That's where they uh, kind of got to work as a tandem. Now, I've seen a lot of criticism on social media of this pairing, and one of the reasons, PT, is neither one of them have very uh, have any Notre Dame ties.
4: The Notre Dame people are weird like that. You know, this guy that I played golf with on Saturday, he went. he got his MBA from Notre Dame, so he tells people he went to Notre Dame. I'm like, dude. You went to Loyola. Like, what happened to your what happened to your undergrad? All of a sudden, like this Notre Dame hoity-toity stuff. Like, ah, I'm sorry, but the people that are complaining to your point are the people that are like, "But we're Notre Dame." I don't give a flippity flip who you are. Just well, accept these are who your announcers are.
3: There are a lot of people. I think Philly fans included P T that are very territorial and that they like like a guy who has some background with the team calling their games. Okay. And did they have that was that guy
4: available? Did they have a choice? Everybody's the whole announcing you know this from your podcast, the whole announcing
0: landscape. Yeah,
3: well if you want to say was there somebody available to call the Notre Dame games, sure but I don't know that it would have been a "quote unquote" national feeling broadcast, which is what they're looking for. They, it's a, it's an NBC game, which is the Notre Dame contract, but it is still a which is national the Notre Dame game.
4: broadcasting network, right, or something like that.
3: Well, keep in mind, it is <laughs> it's supposed to be a national broadcast, but it has. You know, the Notre Dame, it's the Notre
2: Dame. Where's
4: the bus these days? Did he go back and get his degree or something like that? I think my friend Kevin was saying he was in.
2: Yeah, he got MC- his degree. Mike yeah, interviewed so, him last year about that.
4: Fine. Uh, but uh, and, but it, why he wasn't available? Is he already He's doing the some broadcast somewhere? See, there you go. What does it say when the Notre Dame guy is not interested in the Notre Dame job?
2: Well, like for example, on the radio side, we aired a bunch of the Notre Dame games here on nine seven three ESPN. It's Paul Burmeister and Ryan Harris. Burmeister used to do the Notre Dame NBC TV side, and Ryan Harris is an alumni.
3: Yes, yeah, see the radio broadcast is a Notre Dame uh, controlled entity. Well, yeah, it's yeah. it's you know, they're 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 now Burmeister used to do the games on T V, right? That's correct. I'm wondering why they took him off of that.
2: Well, he was taken off uh, a few years ago, I oh, guess, cause when
3: because of Tarico, right?
2: So the idea was is that you know Burmeister, maybe they felt that like they couldn't go back to him. I don't Who know.
3: did Tarico did it last year with what? Drew Brees? Drew Brees? Yeah, and uh, Brees doesn't Drew have any Brees, ties where? to Notre Dame either. Yeah.
2: yeah,
3: and neither does Tirico, by the way. But I mean Burmeister, I don't know what his ties to Notre Dame are.
2: Uh, just that he was on the broadcast for so long. Gotcha. He did the TV oh, used for to be years. Don
3: Cricky. Way back in the day, Don Creaky, Because yeah. Creaky? you
2: remember Burmeister, before he did some of the play-by-play, he was like the pre-halftime post-game guy mm-hmm. on NBC TV.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, you got Collingsworth and Garrett. Now, Garrett, you know, people were kind of questioning, like, you know, hey, you know, uh, Garrett played at Princeton, so it's not like he was, like, some big college player either. Right. You know, a lot of times college um the college announcers are guys who have some sort of college, like, ties to them, right? Like, Street played Ohio State, even though he wasn't, like, some All-American there.
2: He was a Cap- starter his senior year. He yeah, was I'm just saying.
3: He wasn't, like, um, but played at a big-time college. Like, right. Joel Klatt, where did he play? Colorado. There you go.
2: Yeah. Useless information for your day.
4: Ah, it all has uh, you know. I mean, it all has relevance. Hey, Catherine. Rocketish
3: smile I mean, not Rocket Ishmael. Desmond Howard, Michigan. Like, okay, you know, he he's more associated with his college career than his pro career. I think Absolutely. Jason Garrett is more associated with his pro career at with the Cowboys, even though he's a backup quarterback, and then he was a coach. Than his Princeton career. Well, this is the clincher. Catherine Tappen's going to be a part of the broadcast
4: too. So that, well, there you go. That puts it right over the top. She was part of the golf broadcast yesterday, by the way, the FedEx stuff, and she did the uh, post-round interview, and I was less than impressed. That's I'm
2: oh, is Zalatoris?
4: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, they let Roger Maltby interview the loser. Why is Roger Maltby interviewing <laughs> the loser when he knows everything about golf? And then you're putting Catherine Tappen on the winner. What do you? What do you? Do? Who's running this thing?
2: Well, I got a couple of other stories for you guys. So, did you either of you guys see what's going on at USC with NIL? Nope. Can't say that
3: couple, I did. A couple
4: guys shaking our heads out here,
2: Josh. All right. Well, here's the deal. So, USC, the university, launched a outfit with the help of an independent agency to try to help their players avoid any pitfalls when it comes to NIL, kind of like an advisor from you know, a school-approved advisor. Well, there's a problem. Less than two months after they created this agency to help the players, a group of what they're calling the Los Angeles Times calls deep pocket USC donors from the Pete Carroll era have resurfaced to start their own third-party NIL group and USC is not happy. They are telling them, Do not interfere with our players. We set this whole thing up to avoid the NCAA issues and the state legal issues. And the boosters say, but you didn't think about the tax issues. Their whole shtick to the players is come with us because we're a 501c3. We're going to pay you to do charity work. Whereas if you do the NIL stuff with the school's approved agency, you are going to have to pay taxes.
3: This whole NIL thing is uh, continuing to be just an absolute mess. And I just root for it to continue to blow up in their faces. (laughs) You
4: made your bed. You got a lie in it. Well, I
3: mean, listen, I'm not against the, the kids making some money, but this has turned into the wild, wild west. And I just, you know, there was a better way to do it. And it just, again, another... Another situation where greed has blown up in your face.
2: The two main uh, boosters involved in this group are Dale Retch and Brian Kennedy. Those guys were the two main boosters during the Pete Carroll era. And some people claim were responsible for Reggie Bush's mom getting that apartment. Remember that whole fiasco? Mm -hmm. Yep. yeah.
4: Is this the name of the group? Student Body Right? Yeah, is that that's it correct.
3: Is? I did oh, hear boy. about that.
4: Student Body Wrong. That should be the headline.
3: <laughs> Sorry.
2: Well, think about it. Mike, you know, you, you went and got an opportunity to go try to play some baseball in West Virginia. If someone came to you and said you have two NIL options, are you going with the one the school says is going to keep you in the legal clear or the one that says you have to pay taxes on?
3: Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'd have to probably know a little bit more about the whole situation. I mean, the whole NIL thing, you're, you're, you're setting this up for these it's kids. It's a slippery slope, yeah, yeah. Man. And the names are hilarious. The I just Texas saw,
4: has the Pancake Factory, the Horns with Heart. There's a Matador Club at Texas Tech. I yep. saw some team. I forget who it was. I want to say SMU, maybe. Okay. That would be an interesting one since they their history way back in the...
3: Pony well, Excess. I yeah. think that they just decided... Is it SMU? I don't know. It's inconsequential. But one school just decided they're going to pay all the kids thirty five thousand dollars. SMU,
6: $1. I'm
4: impressed you pulled that. Did you see that? I, I did see that. Yeah, that I think they just
3: decided to, to stay away from this NIL mess and, and all that stuff. Right. Just every kid's getting paid thirty five thousand bucks. So, however many kids on the team, I think they said, look, they needed like X amount of million dollars to basically run their program.
2: Texas Tech has a similar one where. The booster is paying everybody 21000 no matter what. And guess
3: what? If that's what they would have done, if that's what they would have done from, the you beginning? know, the beginning, just as I've said on this show many a times, I worked at the campus radio station. I got a stipend. The stipend wasn't all that much, but let me tell you, as a. What
4: did you get? Do you remember?
3: 150 bucks every two weeks. Every two weeks. Every two weeks. I
4: got $300 a month. To write for the, the same temple thing. news 300 a month 150 50 every, every two weeks, weeks is 300 a month oh yeah well all right sorry math has never been my strong suit yeah well when i got my ticket
3: here
8: <laughs> when
3: <laughs> it's a winner <laughs> and when you would get that 150 dollars uh... you thought it was the greatest thing ever right
4: for me to get paid what I would have done for free. And oh, I'm sorry. That's why I was confused with the numbers. I used to deliver the newspapers too, and I'd get an extra fifty bucks for that.
3: Well, if when you got that check, I know me, when I got that hundred and fifty dollar check, that stipend, it was unbelievable. And at, at eighteen years old in Morgantown, West Virginia, $150 took you a long way, man. So as I said, if these colleges would have given these kids stipends. From the get go. They wouldn't have had to go through this NIL stuff. They would have all been getting, like SMU said. Or what college did you just say, twenty one thousand dollars? Guess what? If you gave a kid twenty one thousand dollars in college, are you kidding me? Oh yeah. Forget My about God, it. you know how much you can get by on twenty one grand in Morgantown, West Virginia? And let me tell you. Most college towns are Morgantown, West Virginia. My buddy used to come visit me, and he'd he'd laugh all the time. He'd be like, dude, I come visit you. All I need is a $5 bill and a white T-shirt, and I've got through the whole weekend. I don't have to do anything. In other words, like, you know, it was so cheap to to hang out in Morgantown, and it was like that everywhere. But, again, I hope this NIL thing just blows up in their face and continues to cause
2: problems. I got one more quick story I want to squeeze in here. It's also college football-related I feel like this is going to be one of those stories that Mike Gill is going to hate. Oh, boy. So, LSU quarterback Miles Brennan is officially announcing he is retiring from football altogether. The six-year senior was in the midst of a quarterback competition with a transfer, Jaden Daniels from Arizona State, and sophomore Garrett Nussmeyer. Well, apparently, Brian Kelly had convinced Brennan to not retire Before the season, Brennan then was thinking about transferring. Kelly then convinced him to stay at LSU and not transfer. And then after last week, Brennan was getting second-team snaps only. And now he's saying, I'm grateful for everything LSU did for me, but it's time for me to walk away from football.
4: Wow.
3: That's it thanks for playing i'm out Uh, well why would the coach i mean if you didn't see him you know the kid was waffling anyway right right he was suggesting basically "Eh, i don't know if i really want to do this anymore and then the coach basically said, hey stay around and then he uh, you, you know you wonder if he knew that he wasn't going to be the starter he was or he the, Just didn't want him to transfer.
2: Right, he didn't want him to transfer. Basically, now he was the previous starter. For those who don't remember, Brennan. Also, yeah, Brennan. He,
3: he stunk.
2: Oh, yeah, I well, do remember. Wasn't good. I remember him
3: not being very good.
2: Yeah, and that's why Jaden Daniels left a uh, Arizona State because he thought, "I'll go there and take that guy's job." Well, it looks like he is going to take his job. And Brennan, instead of staying there and competing, he's like, "I quit football."
3: Well, I got a story for you, PT. Okay. I All like right?
2: this. I enjoyed that, Josh,
3: so we'll see how that plays out, but I want to hear what Gil's about to tell me. Go ahead. Uh, an NBA executive believes that Kevin Durant is more likely to retire than ever play for the Nets again.
4: Holy cow. An unnamed NBA executive. Correct? Right. There's okay. a growing
3: expectation that Durant could cause a ruckus to get the Nets to make a trade. A ruckus? Could you describe the ruckus? <laughs> that's breakfast club for Not you. <laughs> that's the first you've ever like that's, that's retiring has entered the, the conversation now wow. when it comes to Durant trade. I
4: mean, Look, it's a player's league. It's not a coach's league or an executive's Durant league. Retiring, the players tend to dictate what they want to do and where they want to go.
3: Durant retiring would be like um, Barry Sanders retiring. Yeah. Yes. Like, very similar to this guy who's like the best scorer of our generation and just saying, I, I don't know how old Durant's. What got to be 33, 32, 33, somewhere in that range. And him just saying, you know what? That's it for me. I'm done. 33,
2: 33 years old. Yep.
3: 33 yeah, years old. He's probably got at least another five good years left in him, you would think. And him just saying, you know what, I'm out of here. See you later. That's Wow,
4: that's pretty unbelievable to me. And I remember when Barry Sanders retired, and I remember people shaking their heads and not understanding, like, why would he leave the game when he had so much still to give? The one thing I will say is that Barry Sanders today... Looks pretty happy and content in his. It's not like I, I've never seen Barry Sanders ever go on the record like, damn, I wish I played a couple more seasons. Or I feel like I still had a few more carries left mm. in me. He
3: he knew and he was right. And uh, one more quick one. Uh, McGarry brought this up in the first hour, but Dave Dombrowski was on high heat today. Mm-hmm. And he said September 1st for Bryce Harper is, quote, a realistic goal
4: great only
3: to dh though
4: get that uh, yeah. get that idea of him getting back in right field out of your head that's, that's not gonna yeah, happen that's just
3: dumb all right sports pass live 97.3 espn we've got uh, another chance for you to qualify right now be caller number seven six oh nine five seven three three seven seven six six oh nine five seven three three seven seven six caller seven you're qualified for a chance to win an eagles road trip so Be the seventh caller right now, 609-573-3776, and you're qualified for that Eagles road trip thanks to Philly Sports Road Trips. Check out the full lineup at phillysportstrips.com. Mike and Pete live today at the Gallery Bar, Book, and Games at Ocean Casino in Atlantic City. Every Monday we're here. Uh, Coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, Bob Wankel's going to talk some Phils. Jeff Kerr will talk some Eagles. More Sports Bash on the way. Don't go away. Now, back to the Sports Bash.
0: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies.
3: 97.3 ESPN. Free mobile app. We've got uh, qualifiers this hour. Another qualifiers. Bob in Woodbine. He joins Craig from earlier this hour here on the Sports Bash. All right. Next hour, we're going to give away the Russell uh, Peters tickets for the Accurage World Tour. That's happening here at Ocean Casino Resort. That's where we are today. Mike and Pete, the Sports Bash. Boy, it's busy here today, PT. And, um... First off, I turned around and looked in the casino floor. I said, my God, this place is
0: packed. Oh, yeah. It's the
3: wonderful. sports book has been jamming. Every single table inside the sports book essentially has somebody playing at it. And the bar is almost full. I mean, God bless these people. That's what you should do. How did you spend your Monday? Having fun? Uh, we're going to have some fun next hour. Bob Wankle is going to talk some fills. We'll get his thoughts on the uh, – was it a disappointing weekend? Does he classify it as a disappointing weekend? Plus – some interesting news in the Phillies organization. This
1: is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill.
3: All right, final hour of the show. We're live here at the uh, Gallery Bar Book and Games at Ocean Casino Resort. So was it a disappointing weekend for the Phils? Is it fair to call it disappointing or... Listen, you're short-handed. you're playing the Mets, a really good team, you hung in there, had a big win against Scherzer Friday night, you battled with Nola, gave you a great effort on Saturday, you just lost to, you know, tip your hat. <laughs> DeGrom was just a better man on that night, and that's uh, not taking anything away from Nola. Yesterday was a little disappointing for me, but was it a disappointing weekend overall? Bob Wankel crossing broad, covers the Phillies. He's with us now uh, to kind of take a look back and assess the damage that was done by the Mets to this Phillies team. Not a whole heck of a lot. They're still in the wild card spot, Bob. But would you classify the weekend as disappointing for the Phillies?
9: Yeah, uh, I guess it depends on how you want to look at it. I mean, listen, if you would have told me on Friday afternoon that the Phillies were going to lose two out of three to the Mets, I, I would have said, okay, that's no big deal. I mean, they're they were missing their arguably their two most potent offensive players in Bryce Harper, who I know has been out for a long time now, and then Kyle Schwarber, and you go against that pitching staff on the road against a team of that caliber, it's it's gonna be tough. So I would have told you they needed to get one out of the three. Anything else would have been a bonus. But that being said, I mean, when you watch the games play out, you waste the Aaron Nola performance on Saturday night, that's frustrating. And then you see some of the at bats on Sunday. You know they get they get two guys on base to start the fourth inning, first and second, nobody out. The at bats are terrible. Uh, following inning, second and third, nobody out. They can't get a run home. And so when you kind of break it down on a you know inning by inning basis, sure, it's it's frustrating, especially when a team doesn't hit.
3: Yeah, the the fact that they didn't hit. I mean, I don't know. No Schwarber, no Harper. How much of that do we? say that's going to be a concern in a playoff series or a big series down the road you're hoping to get those guys back you're hoping they're a part of things
9: yeah I mean listen I I think what the Phillies have done is shown that they can still be productive offensively against mediocre teams mediocre pitching staffs but when you get to those elite level staffs you need to be able to respond and counter with elite caliber offensive players and so That's where the absences of of guys like Harper and Schwerber are going to show up. And, you know, we've talked about like how – look at Derek Hall and what he's done. And and credit to Derek Hall for really giving this team some offensive pop when it's needed it. But you start to see this weekend, like, is Derek Hall a guy that's going to give you quality at-bats against Max Scherzer and and Jacob DeGrom? Uh, You know, maybe not. So you start to see what he is. And Schwerber, I thought, this weekend was huge. Because what you saw was Matt Veerling, a lot of Matt Veerling, who Mm – was just totally overmatched throughout the course of the weekend. No, he played a a big part in the the win Friday night defensively, but uh, you know from an offensive standpoint, that was a big loss this weekend for the Phillies. So did
3: Stott show enough yet to say you would consider using him as the leadoff man and using Schwarber in a different spot in the lineup? That was one of the things... I was kind of, when they used, I was surprised they went with Stott. I figured they go with Segura. But were you surprised that they went with Stott, and did he show enough that you're intrigued enough to keep him there and use Schwarber someplace else?
9: Yeah, you know what? I mean, so Bryson Stott's hitting leadoff again tonight. Um, I think as that sample size sort of grows, you see Kenny handle it on a more consistent basis. I, I would not be opposed to-, to batting Bryson Stott leadoff. I don't think it's a perfect fit, but... If you're talking about trying to leverage Kyle Schwarber and his 50 home run pace to knock in more runs, then I think it's definitely a consideration, especially assuming Schwarber gets back here and is is playing on a consistent basis. And Bryce Harper, they're talking about September 1st being the target date. It looks like we still have a couple more weeks here at least where – he's going to be out of the lineup. So maybe you do slot Schwerber back into the, into the heart of that order and, and let Stott take the, the leadoff spot. Now,
3: would you be surprised if they actually did that?
9: A little bit. I think that, you know, we always get in a rush to, to want to say, wow, this guy handled this really well, so let's give him more, let's give him more. I think sometimes you just have to let a young player kind of continue to gain his footing. You know, I, I will be the first to tell you that I've been really impressed with Bryson Stott over the last two months. Uh, I think he's leaps and bounds better than where he was at the start of this season. But that doesn't necessarily want to make you want to throw him into a leadoff spot in the middle of a pennant race either. Or, you know, a playoff race at the very least. And the lineup, the stop was good this weekend, produced all of two runs over you know what was it 28 innings so i mean it's not like it really worked from a from a general standpoint no uh maybe it was no fault of his own but this offense right now is just struggling so i don't i don't think you're saying well well, they scored seven runs a game this weekend let's definitely do this
4: Yeah, and the lack of a long ball. Bob Wankel with us, the lack of a long ball. Last time they went five-plus games without a home run was in 2015 where they had a seven-game drought at that point. I mean, look, at one point, on one side, Bob, you're going to say the pitchers that they faced, right, Alcantara, Cabrera, Scherzer, DeGrom, Bassett, these guys all are good to better to great pitchers that they're facing but how much do you also think like you know come on man you can't just you can't admit defeat before you step in the box like I understand that DeGrom is DeGrom but instead of maybe having the mentality of oh crap we're facing DeGrom how about I get to go try and beat a Hall of Famer
9: yeah and listen I mean Sandy Alcantara's been as good as, as pretty much any pitcher in the National League this season and I was kind of wondering if their late game heroics against him on Wednesday night might give them some additional confidence going into the weekend against Scherzer and DeGrom, and it did not translate. Although I will say, you know, on Friday night against Max Scherzer, they were able to collect like seven or eight hits against him. They put pressure on him consistently. They didn't finish the deal. Saturday night was an entirely different story. I mean, they were just overmatched top to bottom. And, I mean, if you go back now to last Thursday, that series finale against the Marlins, The Phillies last 36 offensive innings that did not start with a ghost runner on second base, they scored one run. I mean, now they should have a very favorable set of three games in Cincinnati this week. The pitching does a total 180. Uh, I think they have Mike Miner tonight. I mean, that's somebody that they should absolutely blow the doors off of. So we'll see if there's a, a hangover effect into this Red Series, but... These are favorable matchups. This goes back now to a situation that Philly should be able to take advantage of this and and hopefully kind of rinse the taste out of their mouths here.
4: The other night on Saturday night, I was listening when the game sort of came to its climax, if you will, of uh, Castellanos at the plate. And, yeah. and they said on the broadcast, if he needs a signature Philly moment, this is his chance. And he struck out. Now, maybe tonight, you know, you said it's Mike Biner and he's going back to Cincinnati, right? That's where he came from, man. <laughs> Maybe that turns him around because I got to tell you, I just keep thinking like at some point this guy's got a hit and he hasn't hit.
9: Uh, it's funny. He had a couple hits yesterday. And if you start to do that whole like over the last 10 games and over the last 15 games, it's starting to look a little bit better. But I will tell you, I, I thought Nick Castellanos, despite the fact that he had a few hits this weekend, really uh, just did not play very good baseball throughout that series. In fact, I actually think the first run that, and the only run that the Mets scored on Saturday night, the decisive run in the first inning, was on a ball out the right field that a better right fielder probably makes a play on and saves a run and then you saw the play at the plate yesterday he had nothing on the throw to home the bat that you mentioned late in the game just absolutely nothing yesterday he had a 3-0 count he rolled over on a 3-0 swing it was weak he ends up flicking a fly ball out the right field just nothing uh, it just really just continues to be a very frustrating player to watch for fans I want to
3: ask you about the pitching because uh, I did see something the other day and I think uh, McCarthy mentioned it on the broadcast, Bob, regarding Nola as as like the third uh, name in the Cy Young race right now. And I was kind of like, huh. And then I saw an article that actually has him statistically listed as the third best uh, option in the Cy Young. Now, his gambling odds aren't third. Wheeler is actually better gambling odds than Nola. Uh, But what we saw from Nola... Uh, on Saturday, I mean, that to me was maybe his most impressive game, even though he lost, but that one to me was maybe the best outing that I've seen him throw all season, and it kind of gave you that, like, all right, we keep asking going back and forth on Nola, like how dependable he is, how much we trust him. Was that the game for him? Was that, like, his signature game, even in a loss?
9: Yeah, I'm not lining up to give him any hardware at this point, but...
3: (laughs) Right, I I was shocked to hear that. (laughs)
9: But I am with you uh, on on your greater point. I mean, listen, if there was one thing this weekend that you could really take away from it and say, I actually do feel good about this. Number one, Ranger Suarez and the way that he threw the ball on Friday night, you start to feel like maybe he is a viable game three option in a potential playoff series. But Aaron Nola on that stage, in that stadium, with the atmosphere being what it was against that team, he delivered. And, you know, we talk about how small he comes up in big time situations and how he's faded down the stretch. And, you know, who knows what happens over the final six, seven weeks of the season. But this was an instance where you say, okay, we see in a playoff like atmosphere that he absolutely was able to deal in this game. And you start to wonder, like, could that be something he kind of leans on and, and really builds upon? Uh, Because he needs to change that storyline. He needs to change that narrative about his his career right now. And, And I think if there's anything you feel good about, it's how well he threw the ball on Saturday night.
4: Bobby, you now you bring up Ranger Suarez, and I, I think he, he looks like he may be back to the the good Ranger Suarez. And it's always funny, too. I think one of those games that he pitched was the Apple TV Plus game. And so, you know, those guys don't see him on the regular, and they just seem to keep being surprised. Like, wow, another strikeout. Wow, where's this coming from? And I'm thinking, like, well, that, that was what the good Ranger Suarez was, if they can get that.
9: Yeah, uh, last year, the thing that you, when you watched Ranger Suarez pitch, you weren't necessarily blown away by the stuff, but he was just always in attack mood. He wasn't scared of situations. He wasn't scared of atmosphere. He wasn't scared of potent offenses. He just went at you. He pounded the zone. He worked the corners. He hit his spots, mixed speeds. This year, he really struggled with command at the start of the season, and he just didn't look like the same aggressive pitcher. He wasn't always in attack mode. There was a lot of nibbling. He was really, really trying to, you know, find it, and he struggled to do it on a consistent basis. It would be one step forward, one step back. Now, since he's come off the injured list, he has been a totally different pitcher. And so you go back now five, six starts, and and the numbers are really starting to accumulate where you say, yeah, maybe this guy really is this middle-of-the-rotation guy on a playoff team
3: you thought that last year i mean the way he pitched you were hoping that he would get that opportunity uh because he had And people thought entering this year wow they they, let's see if he can kind of recoup that and uh, early he didn't but maybe he's getting to that spot which leads us to the guy who'll pitch tonight Syndergaard, and the rest of this rotation i mean these games here against cincinnati you hinted at the pitching but after losing two out of three and knowing you play the mets for four again this weekend these games become imperative
9: they sure do. I mean, listen, you don't have Wheeler or Nola in this series, so you're going to go Cindergard, Gibson, Suarez. It's still a Reds team that is flat-out bad. It's a Reds team that does not have much to play for. And, you know, the, the Phillies, though it's insane to kind of think about this, the Phillies have a higher winning percentage when Wheeler and Nola don't start. So it, you almost come into this weekend. I know it's crazy to say that. Yeah. But uh, they come into this week series with, with the Reds, and they, they really have an opportunity, I think, to win a series. And to be honest with you, they probably should sweep. I know it's tough to say that. And I, I do want to see how Noah Syndergaard throws the baseball tonight. He's not been particularly impressive in either of his first two starts with the Phillies. I know he settled down late in the start against Miami last week, ends up going six innings, only allows two runs, gives them a chance to win that game against Alcantara. But you want to go out tonight and, and see him not allow five, six hits you know, over the first two innings before he settles in.
3: Bob, uh, obviously, uh, Dombrowski today had mentioned something that, I don't know, was it eye-opening to hear, you know, he said, hey, September 1st, it sounds like he gave a date for Bryce Harper to return. That's about two uh, weeks from now.
9: Yeah, um, I had talked to somebody uh, early last week uh, who was somewhat informed and said it was, obviously a fluid situation, but they were maybe potentially targeting that that homestand uh, later this month. Um, you know, if September 1st is is the date, uh, that's, you know, hey, okay, I think the Phillies would sign up for that. When he went down at the end of June, I think that there was a thought that, you know, hey, he may not get back until mid-September. So he would be a little bit ahead of schedule at that point. I, I know Bryce Harper, and I, I know the – the theatrical element of it and the storyline element of it and i do wonder i've kind of circled uh august 26th was was sort of what i suggested they're at home against the pirates then they go back out on the road i would think he'd like that i think that both the phillies and harper would like that return to come at citizens bank park but uh we'll see what happens you know i i sort of have privately circled august 26th as the return date
3: Okay, so uh, that's Harper News. Now, the news yesterday I thought was interesting. It might not affect the team this year, Bob Wankel, but does it signify a little bit of change in mentality in the organization? They have promoted 19-year-old Andrew Painter and 21-year-old Mick Abel to double A Reading, which is generally the stop you would make before you are considered to go to the big leagues and this is an organization that has taken their time with prospects so what does that say to you about those two guys making it to double a now
9: well dave dombrowski has a history of of taking elite pitching prospects and bringing them to the major leagues a little bit earlier than than some organizations would certainly earlier than this phillies organization previously would have Listen, I mean, as far as Andrew Painter goes, he has been one of the best pitchers in, in minor league baseball this season. And it's not just numbers. Remember a guy a few years ago? It was probably about like 10, 15 years ago, Tyler Cloyd. He was like 14 and one at AAA, and the numbers were unbelievable, but he had nothing. He had no stuff. He was like kind of just like a. He was a nibbler type of guy. I mean, this is not what Andrew Painter is. He's He's been absolutely overwhelming at every level he's thrown at so far professionally. And I think that the Phillies are saying, hey, let's see what you have here. And does that mean he's in the opening day rotation in 23? Maybe not. But I do think right now, if I were a betting man, that he's probably going to be on the mound at Citizens Bank Park sometime during the 2023 season. And then as it relates to, to Mick Gable, I think that there's a reasonable a reasonable path for him to reach the majors as well. So it really shapes up in interesting fashion next year how this rotation will sort of set up. But, man, yeah. could, you could imagine a, a scenario where you have Nola, Wheeler, Suarez, and and then maybe bring in one other veteran guy and, and then some Abel painter conversation there in the 4-5 in the slot. So it's, yeah, it's definitely I, intriguing.
3: I was pretty surprised that both those guys got elevated. Just knowing this uh, organization history and the fact that you know uh, Painter's 19 years old, I guess yeah. he's the youngest pitcher in Double A. Period. Uh, and I mean, his numbers have been just so overwhelmingly uh, strong at Jersey Shore. I mean, he was at Clearwater, then Jersey Shore, and has just blown through those two levels where. If you look at Abel's numbers, you're not all that impressed by his numbers. Like You know, his ERA is almost four, right? Somewhere in that range. But I was pretty pleasantly surprised. I've been highly critical of how they've handled their, their, org- their prospects in this organization.
9: Well, I think that there's two things to consider there. One, you know, Abel's drafted into the organization prior to Painter. And so to have Painter make the jump and Abel you know, kind of not make that same jump, sort of weird optically. So I think they want to keep those two together. I think that he's been better than his numbers suggest, too, Abel. Uh, But there is also something to be said for this. Listen, the Phillies have been very aggressive with promotions on several high-profile prospects this summer. And does that mean that they're all going to come up, or are they trying to maybe drum up some offseason interest in some of these parts as well? So there are multiple layers to consider when you evaluate this, but I do think that the Phillies want to keep painter and able together i think they're very high on both and i do think it's reasonable that that one or maybe both of them reach the major leagues at some point next year
4: and bob i don't think we said mcgarry's name at any point in this conversation either there's yeah. a, there's a third prospect out there who kind of comes from a different background too he's, he's not a high school guy he came out of the college side of things but he, he's in the mix as well right
9: yeah i mean they really like him good arm i I think the biggest thing with griff mcgarry at this point that they're looking for is just more consistency in the zone uh there have been some some prolonged lapses within games uh from appearance to appearance where he starts to lose command but again you start to look out at this rotation next year how are you going to backfill it do you trust zach efflin at this point do you want to bring him back for 15 million dollars next year uh, you know, I'd be very, very hesitant to do that considering his injury situation and, and what it's been for the last number of years. Uh, Kyle Gibson, free agent at the end of the year. So if you're going to go out and get into the Trey Turner market or something along those lines, at some point you can't keep throwing $10, $15 million a year to fill your holes. And so maybe they get a little bit of aggressive and, and try to do it this way.
3: All right, Bob Wankel, crossing broad. Phillies are uh, heading to Cincinnati, and then the Mets are here this weekend for four, and then back uh, against the Reds. So uh, they've got a chance to clean up against the Reds, and then the Pirates and Arizona. So they got a bunch of uh, layups uh, wrapped around this Mets team, but they got to try to figure out that Mets team who has owned them so far this year. Bob Wankel, crossing broad. Thanks, bud.
9: All right, we'll see you guys.
3: All right, there he is. Bob Wankel here uh, giving us some good insight. The Painter thing, we've been kind of teasing that all day. I was pretty surprised. Like, uh, the 19-year-old Andrew Painter. Now, he has just been dominant.
4: I mean, that quote is coming back. He said, I've had no problem pitching guys who are 20 years old and having a lot of success and putting them in the big leagues. That's what Dombrowski said on July 25th. And they're that good that some of those guys, hint, hint, wink,
3: wink, nudge, nudge, could be pitching here. Hey, uh, the... Phillies, if they were to make the wild card round, the series schedule has been released. Friday, October 7th would be the start of the wild card. Okay. Saturday, October 8th. Sunday, October 9th. So you would get that wild card three days in a row. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. If you win that series beat the division series would be Tuesday, October 11th. So Sunday, October 9th Eagles are in Arizona. I know that was where your head was going. That's where I was heading. It's almost like we've worked together before. (laughs) The division series would be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, October 16th. Eagles are home with Dallas
4: that night, so you could have a doubleheader where you'd have a Phillies playoff game and an Eagles uh, Dallas game on Sunday Night Football. The
3: League Championship Series begins Tuesday, October eighteenth. It's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, October twenty-third. Bye week. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, comes under Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and for the first time, there are no Sunday World Series games. But if the World Series goes Game Seven, November fifth, oh, oh, get out your turkey, get out your gobbler, and watch the World Series game. Good November fourth is the night of uh, bare naked ladies here at Ocean. Ooh, I think we're going to make. I hope go the to Phillies them. don't play in Game Six on Friday night. <laughs> All right, Sports Special. Hey, I've got another name coming up for you for the Eagles Washington trip. We'll do that on the other side. Jeff Kerr was at the game. Friday, we'll get his insight on what he saw all over the NFL this weekend as well. More Sports Bash coming up live at the Gallery Bar Book and Games at Ocean Casino Resort here on 97.3 ESPN.
0: Now. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Three ESPN.
3: Uh, ten years ago today, Pete Thompson, the Sixers had a press conference at the National Constitution Center to introduce Andrew Bynum. I remember that.
2: How How would you
3: uh, sum up his Sixer career? F.
4: (laughs) Didn't he like to bowl more than I like to play basketball? Didn't he hurt himself bowling?
3: Uh, Who knows? Good Lord. Uh, Hey, Eric Anderson. You're our latest qualifier. Eric Anderson. If you know Eric Anderson, or if Eric Anderson's out there listening, let him know. He's qualified for an Eagles road trip to Washington. To go see the Eagles play the Commanders at FedEx Field. That's thanks to our friends at Philly Sports Trips. We're going to be live on Friday. It's Happy Hour Friday at Garden State Brewery in Apseek and Pete Thompson. I like a Friday show at a brewery.
4: I like a uh, happy hour show at a brewery. I mean, that's a win-win-win. I'll be there with
3: bells on. I like a Monday show at the gallery. That's where we are. This is Ocean Casino Resort's uh, sports book. It's the gallery bar book and games. They call it the bar book and games now because right in the middle, they've got the bar, uh, they've got the sports book, and they've got the table games. So you can come into the sports book, play roulette, you can play poker, blackjack,
4: Heard a lot of hooting and hollering over on that roulette table earlier, you yep. know? I mean, and just to our left, there's some craps tables here. A lot of the, all the popular table games, you know what Alan Iverson's favorite table game was? Do you craps. remember? No. Hmm. Want to try again?
3: Not really. Three
4: card poker, and that table is right
3: there. Oh, okay. I don't <laughs> think I've ever played three card poker. Nice. I play some craps. If I go out for You've a night. You played
4: craps before?
3: Oh, honestly, that's my. I never told you the story about me playing craps in New Orleans. Oh, my gosh. This is funny. You probably had no idea what you were doing, right? Oh, I know how to play craps. You knew how to play? Oh, yeah. You already knew when you walked up. Most I...
4: people, the first time you play, you just. Well, it wasn't
3: the first time I oh, played craps. all
4: right. Well, you didn't say If
3: that. I go. Now, I'm not a big um, gambler. Like, right. I just don't gamble like casino games all that much right but if i do have a night out where i'm like hey i'm gonna have play table games and go to the casino Mm -hmm. i play craps that's my game.
4: Well, I won here on craps the
3: last time. Well, oh, I, I won pretty here. pretty big in yeah. New Orleans. In fact, one other night.
4: people were making money off of my roll. That's oh, yeah. how long I rolled.
3: I know. I've uh, I've been one of those hot rollers where the whole table's uh, hooting and hollering for I just me. Just
4: want to say there was a purple chip involved. That's oh. what I want to say.
3: All right, let's bring Jeff Kerr in, who uh, saw the Eagles uh, Friday night, and of course uh, they beat the Jet or they lost to the Jets inconsequential. What we want to really see is what did we learn. Uh, from the game on Friday night Jeff Kerr CBS Sports covers the NFL and he's been around the Eagles a lot this summer and you got to see him up close and personal finally Jeff on Friday night and I guess the first question would be um, which Eagles player intrigued you the most by what you saw Friday night
10: you know what Mike it's probably Jordan Davis more than anybody else just because of what he was able to do on the interior of that defensive line and Obviously, with Javon Hargrave not playing, Jordan Davis got to play with the first team, and boy, did he look good. And I didn't realize how good he looked until when I got home and rewatched the game at 2, 2.30 in the morning because I couldn't go to sleep yet. So I was pretty impressed by Jordan Davis. He freed up a lot of lanes from N'Kobe Dean. Nicobe uh, Dean played really well as well, but Jordan Davis, uh, professional athlete, professional person, uh, Eagles got a good one here.
3: Yeah, I was going to say, now everybody's kind of talking about you know, oh, wow, he had a really good game. But not only did he have a good game, what does he do that changes the complexion of what John Gannon's defense? Now, like we all heard, this is why they drafted him. But now seeing him in action, how can they implement him and change what they do defensively because of what he does?
10: All of a sudden, the linebackers have a lot more room. They're a lot more freer, and that's going to help N'Kobe Dean. That's going to help T.J. Edwards, who had a good year last year in John Vigan's system. I want to see what he does in year two. Kaiser White's another one. He's a more athletic linebacker. But overall, stopping the run should not be a problem for the Eagles. I mean, Jordan Davis could be one of the best run-stopping defensive tackles in the league right now. That's how good I think he can be off the ball. And the only – Downside I had to Jordan Davis's game was I think he stands up a little too high uses his um 66 six, I don't even know what they listen as 336 his his frame a little too much if he gets lower man he is going to be a force and but again he's a rookie but overall he's going to free up so much for his line it's going to be really hard to run the ball off the Eagles this year.
3: Yeah now uh, I know Nakobe Dean's a guy I had mentioned on Friday like you know he, the, you know he hasn't really stood out much at practice I said but maybe he needs games to be the one that stands out and I don't know that he has won at the linebacking job because I think White you know with the interception uh, I thought Edwards looked pretty solid in his few attempts but Dean certainly has made it difficult for the Eagles to figure out what they want to do at linebacker.
10: Yeah, I'm actually writing uh, an Eagles depth chart piece for CBS Sports Wednesday, and these are the words I use. It's a good problem to have. I mean, where you start T.J. Edwards and the Kobe Dean, it's not the worst thing in the world. You can groom the Kobe Dean, and you're right, Mike. He hasn't really stood out much in practice, but he stood out in that game, and I think that maybe that's playing with Jordan Davis and being comfortable with him. Maybe that's him being cerebral with the defense and transferring what he learned to game reps, but overall... The Eagles are going to have a tough decision here with their top three guys. I think Kaiser White's going to start no matter what, but I think it's going to be a mix and match between TJ Edwards and the Kobe Dean Lance all send up.
4: Jeff Kerr with us. Yeah, Kaiser White gets all the headlines because he made the eye pop and play, but Mike and I have talked a lot today, Jeff, as we've discussed that Eagles' first preseason game about uh, that there's a little bit
10: of depth in the linebacker positions, uh, including the Kobe Dean and Kaiser White. Yeah, exactly. And if you want to count Asan Redick and um, – uh, Patrick Johnson or um, uh, Tyron Johnson, uh, another one who's their six-round draft pick. You want to count them as linebackers, you can. I don't think John Fagan should put us on right back in coverage much, if at all. But, you know, the four guys you mentioned, uh, obviously uh, Devion Taylor's in that mix. It's Yeah, they got some depth at linebacker. It's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be different for the Eagles, to say the least. I mean, Really, the only <laughs> position I'm concerned about on this team is safety right now, as evidenced by today's trade. Right, and they make that move today. It's
4: like uh, it's almost like I gave you the questions in advance, Jeff. Uh, what did you think of the move they made today? Is this another "Howie, brilliant"? You know, here's my trash. I'll take your trash, and we'll see what happens.
10: <laughs> well, I mean, one man's trash is another man's treasure, and the Eagles Seahawks trade definitely defies that. I mean, Ahmad um, uh, Dog was basically going to get cut because he was the odd man. Now that nickel cornerback, obviously, Seahawks made a couple off-season moves, and they drifted to Kobe Bryant, so he was kind of. Put, pushed out the door, and he's a really good special teamer, though, and the Eagles do need help on special teams, so I think he has a chance to make this team, uh, just on the special team's ability, but why not give him a look at safety? Right now, you're playing guys like Reed Plankenship and Josiah Scott back there because Joukowsky Tart had that, he hasn't really had that great of a camp, and then he had the, he's left the team for personal reasons. I'm beginning to wonder if he's going to make the roster.
3: Yeah, that would be one of those where you sign a veteran guy and you just assume he's going to make it. And then, you know, if this happens a lot where you see a veteran guy just not have it anymore. We saw uh, Corey Clement, by the way, got released by uh, Baltimore. Sometimes teams bring these veteran players in. You would just assume they're going to make it, and, you know, they just don't have it. And this could be a situation where Howie... Kind of uh, said, hey, there's a safety that can help us in a couple. Special teams, as you mentioned, is always kind of a big factor of somebody making the team, right? Is can you, if you're not going to start, can you do something else? And that's where uh, Ugo Amadi might be a guy that could make the team because he plays special teams.
10: Yeah, and that's the other thing about Amati, too. Um, you know, from, at least from what I was hearing, is if he went the waivers, there was no guarantee the Eagles were going to get. There, there was interest around the league in Ugo Amadi, So, <laughs> Maybe the Eagles said, you know what, Seattle needs step at wide receiver. They got Freddie Swain hurt, uh, D. Eskridge. Seattle's probably like, why not bring in J.J. Ortega side? We, we know we can block. Maybe a fresh change of scenery is neat. Although it is ironic he's playing on the same team that D.K. Metcalf's on. So yeah. I, <laughs> I, I had to laugh at that a little bit. But the, overall, Poor guy. I, yeah, yeah, I, I think the trade works out well for both parties here. It, 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 it's not a good trade. It's not a bad trade. It's just, here. you know what, we're going to get rid of this player. You're going to get rid of this player let's give them another three weeks in the NFL and see what happens.
3: Hey, Jeff, give us an overview. Were you at the game Friday? I was at the game,
10: Okay, I thought so.
3: Give us an overview of what you saw from the first team offense, which, uh, you know, they didn't run the ball. They did not target A.J. Brown and yet still were impressive offensively. What did you see from the offense that you liked?
10: Well, that was playing, too. Uh, Jalen Hurts admitted right after the game, uh, he told A.J. Brown, look, I'm not targeting you. So A.J. Brown was... Pretty much a decoy there. And I think the Jets were doing a lot of trying to stop A.J. Brown, but I liked how Jalen Hurts was going across the middle of the field. Um, the Quincy Williams hit, let me tell you guys, there were a lot of oohs in that press box when – I mean, you knew Jalen Hurts was going to get hit, but then you didn't realize it was helmet to helmet once it actually happened. And I was worried he wasn't going to get up. But the overall, even on the running touchdown Jalen Hurts had two plays later, I was questioning the Jordan Mulata hold there. I didn't think that was a, an exact – hold but yeah you know, they called it they've been ticky tacky in the preseason and lo and behold Jalen Hurts was a nice twenty two yard touchdown pass to Dallas Goddard. I thought it was a well executed drive. Obviously they didn't run the ball. There were no plans to run the ball but I think Nick Sirianni got what he wanted out of that first team offense on Friday night. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
4: And, I, look, the A.J. Brown effect, Jeff, I don't know if you saw this or if you subscribe to this or not, but definitely on the touchdown to Goddard, I think that A.J. Brown drew the coverage away. And, and I mean, you're, you're seeing all this, by the way, without Devontae Smith even in the ball game. So you sit there and think, my God, this offense could be pretty potent if you have A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard and Devontae Smith and other guys that could step up, you know,
10: and be more productive because A.J. Brown draws so much attention. I almost forgot Jason Kelsey wasn't playing without well Cam Jurgens played on Friday night, too. So, yeah, you know what, Pete? This is going to be a good offense this year. You know, I had high hopes for this team going into the year, and I thought, okay, you know, 10-11 wins, I think that's very realistic. But the way Camp's going with them and the way that defense has played against the offense, which is pretty good itself, I wouldn't be shocked if they won 12 games.
3: Well, obviously, uh, you got to say healthy, which they did. And uh, you know, no injuries came out of the game other than Zach Wilson. Unfortunate for him, uh, we don't know what's going on with that. I mean, it could be two weeks, four weeks. Uh, there was ACL reports, there's MCL reports. So uh, that's what you hate, and, and I would imagine stuff like that is why these teams do not want to play their guys in these games.
10: Yeah, one story that was—that's a good press box story for you. So I'm sitting with the national guys, and we're just kind of like okay, what happened with Zach Wilson? And then we're hearing, you know, doctors saying he ACL. And I was like, I didn't even think it was that serious. And, you know, I, I'm talking to my boss like, hey, what should I do with this? He said, oh, let's just hold off, to, just say he left the game. And that's what happened. And, then, you know, everybody's saying ACL and, you know, Jets beat writers are scrambling and Jets team reporters are like, no, 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 we're not sure yet. And, I mean, really the the storyline that came out of the game, you know, naturally – Everybody wanted to talk about Zach Wilson, but it was also the Quincy Williams hit on Jalen Hurts. Uh, Jalen Hurts got a lot of questions about that Friday night, and he was not happy about it.
3: No, and neither was Nick Sirianni, but I thought it really set the tone for this team's first team unit that all came to his uh, you know, back, and, and Sirianni screaming across the field, like, showing, you know, hey, that's unacceptable, And uh, but the questions after the game were more, did he
10: need to run in that spot? You know... To me, it's – um, I, I think he had to because from my vantage point, I was watching the receivers when he took off, and I didn't see anybody open. So I think he was just trying to get a first down. Everybody says that that's a weakness. But really, it's – if you beat out Quincy Williams or you beat out the defender – you're going to get a first down and I just don't understand why you want to take away such a strong part of Jalen Hurts' game. It's same thing with Lamar Jackson, same thing with Kyler Murray. Uh, Patrick Mahomes runs a bit, Russell Wilson runs a bit. I mean, why would you want to take this valuable asset away from these games? You, know, you only hear the Chargers say, oh, we got to take away Justin Herbert's legs because we want him to stay in the pocket for 5,000 yards. Well, no, he he can also run for three, 400 yards in the season. So I I, I just don't understand it. I I, I don't get it. It's it bothers me to no end when you want to take away a big strength of Jalen Hurts. Uh,
3: Jeff Kerr, last thing for you, uh, the rookie quarterback, you ranked them uh, over at CBSSports.com. Uh, give me uh, your thoughts on what we saw from the rookie
10: class in their first NFL appearances. Well, Kenny Pickett looks every bit like he's going to be a QB1 for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and... Mitch Trubisky played well. Mason Rudolph played okay. I don't know why Mason Rudolph's in a quarterback competition with Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett, but he is. If the Steelers start Trubisky week one, I wouldn't be surprised, but I do think they should go with Kenny Pickett and just kind of speed up the, the rebuild. They don't actually rebuild in Pittsburgh, but that's who I would go with. Uh, Desmond Murder looked really good, too. Uh, the Falcons, obviously – Desmond Murder's going to play at some point for the Falcons this year. I just think Arthur Smith wants to see what he has – Marcus Mariota in the year where the Falcons aren't supposed to do anything anyway. I think they're playing for the quarterback at the future, but Desmond is going to get a look this year. Skylar Thompson on the Miami Dolphins got to play the whole game. Obviously, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, if Tua wasn't playing because of joint practices, he looked really good against the Bucs' second and 13 defense. So I had to rank him pretty high, 7th round pick.
3: Uh, check out all the rankings over at CBSSports.com. Jeff Kerr will look at the Eagles' Uh, and the NFC East on Wednesday when he's back right here on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. All right, Jeff, appreciate it, bud. By the, way,
10: by the way, Mike, you know who I couldn't rank this weekend? Carson Strong. Didn't play.
3: Did not play. I would imagine you'll see him in the second half on Sunday.
10: I, I think we will. I think they're going to give him a look. It's. I just think they want to reach the net to play the whole second Although half. Although Jeff
3: Mosher brought up an interesting point that maybe right. they don't want other teams to get a look at him at all. And if they release him, then they can sneak him back through.
10: Yeah, you know what? That That is a good look by most. We were kind of talking about that a little bit on when was it Friday, Friday night after the game with, you know, Ryan Carson-Straw playing. No one really asked Nick Sirianni that Friday night, but it was definitely asked on Sun. All
3: right, Jeff, we will catch up Wednesday, pal.
10: Yep, sounds great. See you guys. All Have nice fun at Ocean. Jeff. Take we are uh, thanks, doing Jeff. our
3: best. It's a great place to be every Monday live at Ocean Casino Resort at the Gallery, Bar, Book, and Games. All right, Mike. Stock up, stock
4: down. That's what I read Jeff Kerr for. Who's up, who's down.
3: He gave you the uh, particulars there. All right. Speaking of Ocean, uh, they've got Russell Peters' Accurate World Tour coming right here to Ocean Friday night. I got three pair of tickets. So what I'm going to do is you text in, Text the word Ocean along with your name and where you're from. The first three people that do that, you're getting a pair of tickets for Friday night's show. Russell Peters, comedian, Accurage World Tour. It's right here at Ocean. He's fantastic. The show is great. Text the word Ocean with your name and where you're from. First three people that hit us up on the board you got those tickets 609-403-0973 text the word ocean your name and where you're from and you're going to see russell peters this friday night thanks to our friends at ocean casino you're going to want the app you're going to want an opportunity to win tickets all season long during the football season while we're here at ocean and just like that they walked up said hey three pair of tickets for friday night and three of our listeners just got a pair of tickets. Text the word ocean to 609-403-0973 with your name and where you're from. All right, Sports Bash. We'll wrap up the show on the other side. I'm Mike Hill. This is the Sports Bash.
8: Now, back to the sports. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger
9: for the ones who get it done.
3: ESPN. All right, congratulations, Jacob in May's Landing. Jeff in Ocean City, Sean in Green Creek. You guys are all going to see Russell Peters here at Ocean Friday night. Congratulations. Thanks to our friends here at the Gallery, Bar, Book, and Games at Ocean Casino. Getting ready to wrap up the show. We told you earlier, uh, by the way, Sports Bash is brought to you by American Airlines and the Atlantic City International Airport. ACY now has your one-stop ticket to over 90 domestic and international destinations. Book today at AA.com. And I want to remind you about my friends at Ambient Comfort Heating and Cooling. Are you seeing the back-to-school commercials on TV? It's almost time. There's still plenty of hot days ahead. Ambient Comfort's offering a back-to-school discount, $50 off any repair to your air conditioner heating system before Labor Day. We've talked about the signs that your system may need repair. Did you take notes? If they're, uh, if you're not comfortable or you suspect a problem, don't wait. Call Ambient Comfort before a minor problem becomes a major one. Call now, 856-213-6586. Visit ambientcomfortnj.com before Labor Day and save 50 bucks off your next repair. Tell them Mike Gill from the Sports bass sent you, um, boy, oh, boy. I actually was power washing my house this weekend. And it's not that big of a deal. Like, it's not like, but it's that sign that the summer is coming to an end. Like, the summer buildup of all the, you know, mold and green and just the summer (laughs) mess, like, up against your house. And I was just power washing the, the siding and just watching, like, the, like the algae green just coming off the side. You're like, man, how gross is this? But, uh, you know, it's the end of the summer almost. But I'm not sad. Football's almost here, man.
2: That's uh, the consolation prize, right?
3: It's always the con- – the, well, there's there's multiple consolation prizes. One, football's almost here. Two, I don't like the heat, so I like the summer uh, – the, the the September, October, November weather better. Three, Not as crowded.
2: Local summer.
3: Looking forward to that, man. You know, my girlfriend for Christmas, she bought me a grill for the beach. It's like a a portable grill, small, so that you can port it,
2: transport it. Have you actually gone to the beach as much as you wanted to in the summer?
3: I've been a handful of times, but not where I've been able to bring the grill down there. Yeah. Too many people down on the beach and you know, just in the when the when the season's over, you go down to the beach and you got the whole place to yourself for the most part. You bring the grill down, ready to go. So
2: turn up the radio a little bit.
3: Yeah. In fact, last year I remember I was down on the beach, we had the grill, and we were watching the Eagles game. We brought like uh, a laptop and put the YouTube TV on and watched the Eagles Chiefs game. That was the September game. Yeah. So, looking forward to that. Looking forward to Mondays here at the Gallery Bar Book. You know, we had a couple locals, actually more than a couple locals. How many of those uh, koozies did we give away? I mean, we probably gave away 20 of these koozies today. People just coming up saying hello. Uh, We'll be back next Monday. And don't forget, more qualifiers tomorrow uh, to win that Eagles road trip. So, congratulations to all our qualifiers today. Congratulations to our ticket winners for the Russell Peters Show this has been the Sports Pass Live on 97.3 ESPN. Download the free mobile app. We're always giving away tickets and stuff through the app. So get the app for your opportunities to win with us here on the Sports Pass. Josh has game night coming up next. Have a great
8: night, everybody. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger.